Hello, hello, and welcome to another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trady. Here we are, again. <laughs> uh, again. Yeah, that thing that you hear every now and then on another podcast where they say we had to record the whole episode. We didn't have to record the whole ep- re-record the whole episode. We did have to re-record the intro because I don't know why. Mercury isn't in retrograde yet, but it's very soon. Something's happening. There's an influence on something. But yes, we just talked for about a full 10 minutes before we realized that nothing was happening. So now, here we are. Again, take two. Take two. Part two. <laughs> oh. Oh. I only know that from Hot Shots. <laughs> I mean, I only know it from Hot Shots. Is there enough? <laughs> I don't know, French? <laughs> uh, no, I. it's one of the many languages I took and still do not speak or know anything of, really. Yeah, I took one semester of French. Mm. I'm like having a moment where I'm like, fuck, did I take three semesters of French? <laughs> I think that was my language requirement in high school. This is really bad. Nope. I think I did sign language as my... That's pretty rad. Uh, I mean, do I speak sign language? No. I don't know. I didn't know that you majored in chemistry either. That's you're, true. You're a, a plethora of surprises and, and knowledge That's and information. <laughs> That's too much pressure on me. It's not pressure. <laughs> it's just true. I'm very in awe of No. Do not be in awe of my language abilities because I have none. I really... I can barely speak English properly, as you've heard on most occasions, so... The last week I was in college, I realized I had never taken the language class, which I had to take. You have to do like three semesters or something, right? Yeah, but you can also like do test out of it. Oh, yeah. Did you do Spanish? Of course! I tested out of it in my last week in college. Uh, (laughs) The week before my graduation. I was like, oh yeah, I should probably get around to this. That's amazing. Yeah. In college, I took two semesters of Mandarin. You had to take three to get your credit. In the second semester, I realized I was completely tone deaf and I literally could not speak Mandarin enough to even pass a third semester. I went to China, like with my class and everything. Yes. So I dropped it and then took Japanese because that is less of a tonal language, but also still right up my alley. So yeah, I have two semesters of Mandarin, three semesters of Japanese, and then just for shits and giggles, I took a semester of Russian in my senior year, which I then dropped because I realized I could not speak Russian either. I know Splasiba. Oh, all right. Which is, uh, thank you. And I don't know if it's Russian. I know it's Polish, but I know the Russian and Polish are very similar, if not the same. Nasdrowie, which is cheers. Cheers, yes. That's it. That's all I That's got. it. Kino is movie. That's really all I can remember. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, that's, that? I'm probably not. I'm butchering the pronunciation, obviously. So I know Ohio is hello uh, because of Big Bird. When Big Bird went to China, Aww. and he'd go around being like Ohio, Ohio. Is not that, Russia in Chinese. Was it in Cantonese or? I guess so. Because isn't it Ni Hao for it's Mandarin? Sure. <laughs> all right. Hey. I know Ohio is hello. I think it's in Cantonese. Okay. It's, then it's not Mandarin. Yeah, because I know Ni Hao. Yes. I, I know it because you said it right now, and then I was like, oh, yes, that sounds familiar. But I do remember Big Bird walking around China and saying Ohio to everyone. I love that. That's super cute. It was super cute. It's the only thing I remember from the movie. I can really only remember, um, I think it's like translates to like so-so, so it's like an answer to how are you, mm-hmm. uh, and it's Mama Huhu. Mama Huhu. Mama Huhu. I mean... It kind of stands out. It's hard to forget. Yeah. One, if that's not the realest answer to give to anything. (laughs) (laughs) I always love that. It's my favorite response in French, too. Comme si, comme ça. Yeah. But that's one of those things that it sounds so much better than what you're saying is happening. Yes. It's very true. Yeah. You're just like, eh, meh. Exactly. (laughs) Meh is what it is. Is what it is. But yeah. In Spanish, it's assi, assi. I like that. 
Yeah, it's cute. That's cute. It's cute. Yeah. Not not for you to be like. Ugh, ugh. I was like, I guess I put pants on. I guess <laughs> that's that, a CSE doesn't. And what's what was the first one? Mama hoo hoo. Ma- Mama hoo hoo. <laughs> I'm not sure all like, those tones are wrong, but yeah, Mama hoo hoo is not. I, you know, I brushed my teeth today, so that's yeah. something. Mama hoo hoo is uh, this is fun. Yeah. yeah. On the yeah. side, you know, there's two for one mama hoo hoo at the tiki hut. <laughs> that sounds delicious, right? I would have a mama hoo hoo, absolutely. I want a mama hoo hoo. All right, fuck. Now we gotta make a drink up and call it the mama hoo hoo, and then have everyone say that we're super insensitive. Oh my god, probably. I mean, yeah, I mean, if the shoe fits, like, have you met me? <laughs> I'm kind of an insensitive piece of shit. It's fine, you're not, you're amazing. <laughs> Mama Hoo how lovely is that? I know, it's wonderful. It's really fitting for uh, this time period, too, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's fitting also that I, I feel like, and this could just be my Pollyanna-ness, that we're like on an upward trajectory. Okay. So we're there, but you know, Mama Hoo Mama Hoo Yeah. There you go. What else been going on? I've watched WandaVision. Right, yes. It's really good. I'm really enjoying it. I had to wait for Johnny to get back before I was allowed to watch it because we promised we'd watch it together. It reminds me a lot of Legion a little bit because mm-hmm. it's very like up in the air what's happening. Kind of like a little trippy, I guess. So I heard the first episode of WandaVision is essentially an episode of Bewitched. Yes, basically. But it's not to like basically the 11th hour where it's like, I don't know what's going on. Where the characters like, I don't know what's going on. Yes. But the rest of it is an episode of Bewitched, essentially. Basically. Okay. But like, you're right. Even the characters themselves don't know what's going on. So right. like, they're at a dinner party and his boss is asking him, you know, how'd you meet your wife? And where'd you get married? And how long have you been married? And they realize they can't How's answer. the little woman? They literally have no answers for oh. any of their questions. They both realize they like, don't, I guess, have memories of this? Hmm. Of how they met? They just showed up at this house and they're married and... She's like, you're not wearing a ring, though. She's like, no, no, but we're married. We got married. I don't know what happened to the ring. That reminds me of my cousin was in a cult. Oh, like, shit. Who's you co- said that so casually. You just dropped that. Like, I mean, nothing. whose cousin has it then, right? <laughs> Florida, am I right? <laughs> Girl. <laughs> if that's not the realest shit that's ever been said. So my cousin was in a cult. Technically, it was border... It was... No, I was going to say borderline Christian. That... <laughs> that i don't like to, i don't like to be too we're not christian. completely committing just no like, this was not borderline christian at all this was like tits deep full in christian this is oh, yeah. born again christian is what i meant but it like wasn't it was full-on like the women weren't allowed to show their hair or any like skin they so they had to be completely covered oh no in florida yeah no what they weren't allowed to drink the women weren't allowed to drink alcohol the men of course they were obviously Go fuck yourself. You weren't allowed to listen to music that wasn't instrumental or religious. You weren't allowed to do anything. I don't know if you were allowed to wear perfume, but you also weren't allowed to wear jewelry. And of course, if you had any of these other things from your your previous pagan life of wearing shorts and listening to fucking the Smashing Pumpkins, you had to sell all of those things. What? And give the money to the church, obviously. Of course. And she got into it because she ended up marrying a dude who was in the cult. I mean, that's how the that's how it happens. goes, yeah. And she got in, like, basically was an ex-boyfriend, and she was like, "I want to get back together with you." And he goes, "Okay, to get back together, no, you have to join the cult." And she was like, "Sure, great." Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do extra work, girl. I know. I don't know. 
I know. I don't want to get anybody back that much. Girl. No. So they finally get engaged. And I remember telling her, you know, I, I was like a teenager or some shit when this happened. And I was like, oh, what does the ring look like? You know, a very yeah, standard. That's a normal question. Someone's I'm just making engaged. conversation. Yeah, I don't really give a shit. I mean, yes, correct. I'm making conversation. And her mother goes, oh, no, no, no. In their religion, they don't believe in materialism. So what they're going to do is they're going to put their hand on a Bible instead. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Except when homeboy's out at a fucking bar, the first thing any woman does when she meets a dude... Clock the hand. You clock the fucking hand. Yeah, of course. Like, a chick isn't going to be like, you know, I'm sure on some day... He put his hand on a fucking Bible and made vows. Get the fuck out of here. No. You don't, you can get like, what, like now the, the silicone rings are very in for men who like, yeah, either when they go, like when they work out or even people who are just not comfortable. Like if they have maybe like bigger knuckles and thinner fingers. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be like an Elizabeth Taylor diamond situation, but that ring exists as one, the symbolism of the promise you made to your person. And two, to tell everyone else, I'm fucking taken. Now, can you take off a fucking ring? Absolutely. But you have to be the piece of shit who consciously does that. Yes. You can't just meet somebody at a bar and then like, oh, I'm not going to choose to bring up my wife at all. They didn't ask because why would they ask? I'm not wearing a fucking ring. So let's just not talk about this ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, you don't believe in material goods, get a fucking tattoo ring. Like, it's awful and I never would recommend that to anybody. No. But, no. yeah, if you really don't want any material goods but you still want to fucking prove to people, simple solution. A tattooed wedding ring oh, is the tattoo equivalent of a baby will fix it. Oh, yeah. Like, or it, getting your ex's name tattooed. Or I, getting your boyfriend's name tattooed. Like, you're going to break up. Yeah, right it's guaranteed. You guaranteed yeah. it that it was going to happen. I'm I, recommending it, but also not. Don't do <laughs> Don't do it, guys. Or at least prepay the, like, the laser off. Like, have that as part of the Groupon that you're getting. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> so. That's smart. That's thrifty. Right? It's life advice for you. You gotta think ahead. Yeah. Yes. A movie that I have to recommend. I've recommended it to everyone. <gasps> Tell me. I need a good it's movie. In and of itself. Oh, shit. Yes. yes. So this was a live stage show that happened in L.A. and then transferred to New York. I believe in New York it ran 2016 to 2018. I went to see it live four times, including the last performance. I was there front row center. And it's one of these things that it's really hard to explain what it is, which sounds very pretentious and I promise you it's not. At its most base, it's a magic show. It's not that. But you also need to bring it up because like when magic shit starts happening, you don't want to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But it's not a magic show. Don't surprise me with magic, Monique. I can't take that. I mean, (laughs) for me, it's my favorite thing in the world. But when you take, when I suggested it to people, it was the thing like you have to bring up. Yeah. Because you don't want the text like, what the fuck did you just recommend to me? Yeah. And it's not that, but it's, it's, so it's one of those things that you definitely shouldn't even if you Google it, it's really, there's not much about it. So the guy who does the show, his name is Derek Delgadio. He's incredible. And it was directed by the stage production and the film, which the film is a, they recorded 10 performances of the stage production and then kind of jazz it a little bit story-wise to fit into a film, basically. Okay. To, to make That's it cool. look more like a film. But you're watching a stage production and all of the tricks, quote unquote, that happen all happen live. Like they didn't CGI anything. I gotcha. But it's not about the magic. Like the magic is a tool to like talk about identity and how it's an illusion. And 
And it's a thing that Stephen Colbert saw it and he was so taken with it that he approached Derek and was like, I want to help you make this into a film. So you let me know what me and my wife can do to do that. So he produced the show. Shit, that's amazing. If you watch Stephen Colbert, what does he do? Late late night? Late show? I watch it like every night and I don't (laughs) have no idea what it's called. The late show, I guess. Late show, yeah. Late show with Stephen Colbert. He's had Derek on twice. and it's And it's a thing that it's like... It's, they're very awkward interviews because they can't really talk about the thing. Uh, so it's five I minutes of them being like... I, like dancing around. Dancing around it because they're like... Because it, it premiered on the 22nd on Hulu. So you can find it on Hulu. Everyone should watch it. It literally will change your life. It's changed my life. It's just... It's one of the most beautiful, incredible things I've ever seen. Oh, shit. And initially I thought it was kind of just for the people who saw it live that only had kind of a visceral reaction to it. Yeah. But I recommended it to a couple of friends of mine in LA. And I was like, text me immediately when you're done. I literally don't give a shit when you're done watching it. Just text me. And I woke up to four walls of texts. What? Being like, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. My husband has been like sobbing (gasps) since watching it. Like, even though it wasn't made now, I think it is especially resonant in this moment in time. Interesting. And I just think everyone needs to watch it. And But going back to the Stephen Colbert, he had Derek and Frank Oz on his show recently, the, the night before it premiered. And he asked Frank Oz something to the effect of what do you, what do you want people to get out of the show or what do you think the show is to you? And Frank Oz's response was, if I answer that, then I'm betraying the entire like concept of the show. And Steven's like, wow. yes. And, and the thing is like, when you watch it, you get, you it. understand. Yeah. But it's a thing you can't really explain. And I know I'm doing a terrible thing. No, I think you're doing a really good job, actually. I'm intrigued. But I cannot express enough and recommend enough in and of itself. It's on Hulu. It'll change your life. It's incredible. Fuck yes. Fuck yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll make Johnny watch and I won't tell him what it is and I'll tell him if he cries. How about that? Yeah. Oh my God. And then you could just have the, the Kleenex just like right next to the couch. So when he starts like getting misty eyed, just... then you're like, there you go. There you go. No big deal. Yeah. It's All amazing. Right. Yeah. Wow. I'll check that out. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Cause... Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm going to text you immediately upon when it's done. Yes, please. Like the crying emoji. Absolutely. What did you do to me? How dare you? You're welcome. But thank you. See, yes. But that's... <laughs> what I got when I was telling people to watch Shit's Creek for four years because I started watching it two seasons in. Yeah. And I and then people were like, oh. and I'm like, bitch, where the fuck have you been? And it's a good cry. Yeah. And that's a, these are like good tears. It's a good cry. I love that. The last movie that did that for me was um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I haven't seen it. <gasps> French movie, which usually I'm not a big. You took a whole semester. I just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> that was. <laughs> I still need the subtitles. I was not following along. Like, trust me. French film, which I'm not a big, you know, foreign film buff, so that's not my genre usually. And Johnny was not here for some reason, and I watched it without him, and it was just so sweet, so oh. poignant, and I I was in full tears by the end of it, and I was like, I cannot remember the last movie that made me genuinely cry. Oh. It was so fucking good, though. I don't want to spoil anything about it, but okay. it's What's very the, sweet. Portrait of a Lady on Portrait Fire? Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay. I, I think the last thing I cried at was... I cry a lot, though. I cry a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You seem like such a 
See, my day-to-day life, I don't. It's like, you're so, yeah, it's like strong and stoic. Like, oh, I didn't know. Thank you. I don't know if that merits a thank you, but thank you. Yeah, no. I, I don't I know if that's a compliment. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. No, yeah, so my day-to-day life, I've kind of been beaten out of having emotions. First-generation American, <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> but any sort of art, the easiest thing in the world is to get me to cry at a movie, TV, show, a commercial. Uh, Public commercials, don't get me fucking started. Oh, my God. I can't. A concert. If I don't cry in a concert, you didn't do your job. Wow. I don't think I've ever cried in a concert. Oh my God. Like 95% of them. 95%. Really? Oh, all the time. All the time. I was like, maybe Radiohead. I, I get it. Like, they, I get a little I don't know if I cried in Radiohead. I was like, who? Yeah. No, but all the time. Oh my God. All the time. Yeah. And you know, and I don't know if it's that thing of like, because I am not super emotional, my normal It all life, builds like, up. That builds yeah. up into that. Or if I remember seeing this thing a while ago. It was about the people who cry a lot, quote unquote, are, are, are deemed like too emotional or too yes. whatever. And this person posited that that wasn't what the case was. It's that when you cry at something that's not sad, it's that it was more beautiful than you anticipated it being. Okay. And that's, gen- that's, that's generally my feeling with shit. Okay. So I think I cried at Ted Lasso. I don't even know who that is, to be perfectly honest with you. Ted Lasso was wonderful. And it's another one of those that shouldn't be good. And it's really lovely. It's a show on Apple Plus And... Oh, it's a show. I thought we were still talking about bands for some reason. Oh, I mean, yeah. Because why... Yeah, we? no. Because that's okay. what we were literally just talking about. Okay. And then I went off the rails and went to a TV show. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> I'm jumping off the rails with you. Let's do this. <laughs> no hesitation. It's it's a Jason Sudeikis oh, show. Love him. Okay. And apparently... I don't follow the sports um, at all. No. Uh, unless I'm seeing someone. I think O.J. Simpson's a movie star. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, Elise. You called it. I'm- Elise? <laughs> Let's take a moment to appreciate Elise. You're so fucking awesome. Amazing. And, you know, fuck. We have such great listeners. And we love you so fucking much. And we love that you guys send us messages. And that you interact with us. And you interact with our social. It literally makes our fucking day, week, month. It's so fucking great. It's, yeah. Like, you guys are fucking rad and the best. Elise, you're great. Angie, we called you out last week. We're gonna call you out yes. again, girl. You're fucking bomb.com. We adore both of you. Like, Amber's great. Oh my like, God. Like, all of so you guys are great. so fucking yes. great. And there's another Monique who recommends amazing things to me all the time. Like, shout out. I have two amazing Moniques in my life. I love it. There are dozens of us. Ugh. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do nothing but bring you joy. <laughs> yeah, we have the best fucking listeners. We really do. It's the, you guys are amazing. I distracted you slightly. Yeah, so Ted Lasso. So I don't follow any sports, and uh, unless I'm seeing someone, and I'm currently not, so I barely know anything that's happening currently. But apparently, when U.S. soccer kind of became a thing, became a thing that it was being like advertised. Yes. On I was gonna say on the NFL. Oh my fucking god! On ESPN. <laughs> wow, this is gonna be a tough one. <laughs> I'm sorry for anyone who engages in any sort of sports or has like a team. I'm so They're sorry. Just like grinding their teeth right now. They're <laughs> screaming at me so hard. I'm really sorry. But there was commercials with this character, Ted Lasso, who was an American who was now a coach for like soccer teams, but like was like a football coach and okay. didn't know any of the rules. So it was like three ESPN commercials. So it was when soccer started, like became American soccer and it was like on ESPN. Oh shit. So it was to promote it. Oh, okay. So we, it, it was like the, like the Geico caveman. Yes. Who then they had their TV show. 
Yes. And it was terrible because, of course, it was. Because I forgot all about that, but yes. Because I, it was yeah, terrible. Of course. Because it lived great in the 30-second ad. That's where it lived and didn't need to go anywhere else. No, no, no. So that's what was the deal with Ted Lasso. And then they made it into a, a series, and everyone was like, well, come on. But it's so wonderful. Oh, okay. I was going to say, but it's actually good. It's as... wonderful. I'm pretty sure I cried in it. Damn. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It's really lovely. It's very... You know, I know a lot of us have, like, really been through it lately, and just sometimes you... Breaking Bad is great, but sometimes you just want to watch something that, like, warms your heart and, like, restores your faith in humanity, which is what, like, Schitt's Creek did, for yes. instance. Ted Lasso does that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I have to, like, Parks and Rec, The oh, Good yeah. Place, like, yeah, all Yeah, exactly. Are just, like, like, you're just, like, I cried in The Good Place. It's such a good show. I still haven't seen the last, like, two seasons. I think I didn't finish the last season. But when Ted Danson finally realized what like helping people out is, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cry so much at so many things. It's mildly embarrassing. That's no, no. To no. the point that my best friend Christina like only found that out very recently when I stayed with her in Miami. How much you cry? Then it's a regular thing. I would not picture this of you at all. You're kind yeah. of blowing my mind right now. Yeah. And yeah. me, I'm the complete opposite. I really, I don't cry. And it's one of those things when I do, I usually like get my lady time in the next day. And then I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that that makes happening. all the sense. Like I wasn't, there's like the meme. that's like, I knew I wasn't a weak bitch. Like, <laughs> and I feel that so much. I really do. See, I'm not like that with that. Really? During the lady time. I'll just be like, ooh, Snickers. I don't oh. like chocolate. So if I'm craving chocolate... It is, right. it is nigh. I mean, <laughs> Shark Week is nigh. <laughs> Shark Week. That's a great euphemism for that. Yeah. Especially since uh, the female reproductive system looks very similar to a shark brain. Does it? It does. I haven't been examining many shark brains in my... Um, then what is this whole podcast about? <laughs> God damn it. There has a meme that's been circulating for a few years that it's the side-by-side. Really? I totally mean, like, So from now on, we're going to refer to it as Shark Week. Yes. Yeah. Blood in the water, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> You're welcome. There's I no way we have fine. any listeners after oh, this no. conversation. No, no, no. no, I've accepted that. It's fine. Um, do you have a spooky story for me this week, Monique? I sure do. Fuck yes. So, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, because clearly this podcast is going to be wildly successful. Hell yeah. So, yes. people might be backdating this. I oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know why that never really occurred to me, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. We're going to be like a big deal. My mind is expanding right now. It just like <laughs> blew up my universe. I love it. So the inauguration just happened here. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. As is wont to do every four to eight years. Four to eight years. Not 48. <laughs> I was like, damn. Damn. <laughs> so I thought it was only fitting to do the ghosts of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, also known as the White House, motherfuckers. Fuck yes! Fuck yes! I don't know anything about any White House ghosts, so I am super pumped right now. Um, I feel like I'm also learning a little bit about history. Yeah. Yeah. And spoiler, that's like my favorite shit in the world. Watching the History Channel when they'd be like, the ghosts of Gettysburg. I'd be like, oh my god, this is my favorite shit in the fucking world. (laughs) Pause, rewind. Hello. I did not date a lot in high school. (laughs) (laughs) But little did I know this would help me in my future career. Fuck yes. So the White House, for those of you who don't know, we're going to give a little background. 
The White House is the official residence and workplace of the President of the United States. It is located at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest in Washington, D.C., and has housed every U.S. President since John Adams in 1800. The residence was designed by Irish-born architect James Hoban in the neoclassical style. He modeled his design after Leinster House in Dublin, which, um, we have listeners in Leinster. Hey, hey. girl. Hey, girl. A building which houses the Irish legislature. Didn't know any of that. Oh, shit. Yeah. Learned something new. Right? History. <laughs> it's like, learn it or you're doomed to repeat it. And yet... <laughs> we just still keep doing it over and over again. Here we are. <laughs> Construction took place between 1792 and 1800 using Aquia Creek sandstone painted white. In 1814, during the War of 1812, the mansion was set on fire by the British Army, destroying the interior and charring much of the exterior. Reconstruction began almost immediately and was completed in 1817. In the years following, additions were made to America's most famous house. The modern-day White House complex includes the executive residence, West Wing, East Wing, the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, the former State Department, which houses offices for the President's staff and the Vice President, and Blair House, which is a guest residence. The property is a National Heritage Site and is owned by the National Park Service, which I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. It turns out that America's most well-known address might also be the country's most famous haunted house. Fuck yeah. Fuck yes. The unexplained goings-on there over the last 220 years have been heavily documented by some of the most well-known political figures throughout history. Ooh, and it's like, these are the people who run your government. Like, you want to trust they run them. Yes. the world. Like, you want to trust them. You want to believe that these are people of integrity. They're not just going to make up some bullshit ghost stuff. Yeah, and the thing is, most of the time, they look very scaredy-cat about it. So I don't oh, think yeah. that they would make it up to, you know? You don't, yeah, you don't want to look like a little bitch in front of all the other dignitaries. <laughs> right? Like, come on. They're not like, I vanquished the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that is not what's like, happening. Here. As I told you, I got scared by just a loud noise in my apartment. I mean, I get it. In a letter to his wife, Bess, dated June 1945, just two months into his first term, America's 33rd president, Harry S. Truman, wrote, quote, I sit here in this old house and work on foreign affairs, read reports and work on speeches, all the while listening to the ghosts walk up and down the hallway and even right in here in the study. The floors pop and the drapes move back and forth, and I can just imagine old Andy Jackson and Teddy Roosevelt having an argument over Franklin Roosevelt. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> I got to learn that Andrew Jackson was a piece of work. He is a real piece of work. He was also like the first governor of Florida or some shit, I want to say. Are you serious? I think so, yeah. He, I has, told- some, he has some affiliation with Florida. I, I, I believe that's it. I missed that in my fourth grade Florida class. Did you? Oh, shit. Because- I took one slightly later, which is, might be the only reason I remember it. See, in fourth grade, at least in Miami, in fourth grade is when you learned about Florida. So it was Ponce, Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon, yeah. The Everglades. Disney. Disney, that's always. That's pretty much what we've got, yeah. Yeah. St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Port, yeah. In another correspondence with Bess, he detailed his experience one night in 1946, when he was awoken at 3 a.m. by a knock on his door. He wrote, quote, I jumped up and put on my bathrobe, opened the door, and no one was there. Went out and looked up and down the hall, looked in your room, his wife Bess's, and Margie's, their daughter. Still, no one. Went back to bed after locking the doors, 
and there were footsteps in your room whose door I had left open. Jumped and looked, and no one was there. The damn place is haunted, sure as shooting. <laughs> he said it, sure as shooting. Sure as shooting. You don't fucking go against that. And the president of the United States is dropping a sure as shooting? That yeah. That's what the fuck is happening in this house. Secret Service said not even a watchman was up here at that hour. You and Margie had better come back and protect me before some of these ghosts carry me off. End quote. <laughs> All the... Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I would second that. Girl, same. <laughs> yes. I am nothing no. if not a coward. No, like, I'm no. not fighting the ghosts on my own. Get no. the fuck back here. No. I would have had Secret Service in bed with me. I'd be like, no, we're cuddling. Like, I'm not going to bed alone. So, for more validity... Both of these letters have been archived and can be found in Truman's Presidential Library and Museum. What? So this Shit. is legit capital A, capital F. Yes. Yeah. Notarized, documented, archived. Let's do this. Yeah. It's like, P.S., there were ghosts there. and he, Legit. He felt a certain way about it. Yeah. So who are the poor souls who roam the grounds of the most famous address in America? A lesser known ghost who is said to haunt the halls is that of David Burns who sold the government most of the land on which the city of Washington and the presidential residence was built. His disembodied voice has often been heard saying, quote, I'm Mr. Burns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's impossible. You can't not do the steepled fingers, Mr. Burns, from the Simpsons thing. It's literally impossible. Excellent. Thank you. It's impossible. <laughs> Every time I wrote it and, and heard it, I was like, I'm Mr. Burns. Yes. <laughs> So this ghost, there's a disembodied voice that's heard saying, I'm Mr. Burns. In the he really wants to get it out there. He doesn't want any mistake over who you think the ghost is. Yeah. This is not Jeffrey. This yeah. is Mr. Burns. <laughs> a valet to President FDR reportedly heard it, and during Truman's administration, a guard heard the same voice. However, thinking that it was then Secretary of State James Burns saying, I'm Mr. Burns... <laughs> Just as part of his job, he goes around and says that. P.S. Yeah. I'm Mr. Burns. I'm Mr. Burns. I mean, you know, James Bond does that. That's true, yeah. The guard went looking for him, only to learn that the secretary hadn't been at the White House that day. <gasps> at least eight different presidents have reported hearing Mr. Burns. What? Yes. That's a large amount, honestly. Yeah. Eight presidents? Eight presidents. Holy fuck. And these are people we trusted with our country. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I trust them. They know what the fuck is up. Yeah, because you can be like a couple of them, like, mm. Yeah. But eight? Also, it's like clearly speaking very eloquently. You can understand what it's saying, and it's constantly saying its name. Yeah. Dolly Madison, the much-loved first lady to the fourth president, James Madison, famously saved the portrait of George Washington when the British had burned the White House during the War of 1812, which, you know, that's nice. nice. Yeah. Cool. Go, girl. Yeah, get it. Her ghost has been seen taking care of the famous rose garden, which she planted. I don't know why that gave me chills, but that gave me chills. If I'm ever going to be a ghost, like, I just want to chill in a rose garden and have that be my, like, ghost job. A little ghost career after that. I love it. Well, let's see if you're going to do this oh, next God part. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Every time, Monique. However, during the Woodrow Wilson administration, First Lady Ellen Louise Wilson ordered the area dug up because she wanted to move it. Dolly was having none of this shit, so when the workmen showed up to dig up her beloved rose garden, Dolly appeared and chased them away. Fuck yes, girl! Fuck yes. I am about this. They decided to leave the garden where she wanted it. 
Good for you. Which is the most ghost flex I've ever right. fucking heard. Boss of. bitch was Absolutely. like, no way. Get the fuck out of my garden. The you know the only this reminds me a little bit of a good friend of mine. Her grandmother died last year, and I went to college with this woman, but we have been really good friends and I'm really close with her family. And it was her mother's mother who passed and they weren't really having a service. So I wanted to send flowers and I was picking flowers. I was, you know, on the like 1-800-Flowers or whatever the fuck yeah. website. And I was going through flowers and I had another bouquet in the cart. And for some reason, this purple floral bouquet, there was like a, no, pick this one. I don't care for purple. I don't like the color purple. Okay. But I was like, just... And I've made it a thing to not question, like, an instinct like that. Yeah. Even if it seems very silly. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. There you go. Trust your gut. So whatever, I send them the purple flowers, and I get a lovely card from the mom, and then my friend sends me a picture of the flowers saying, thank you so much, they're so beautiful, and she goes, purple was my grandmother's favorite color. What? All right. And she was Italian. So perfect. And I'm like, that's like an Italian grandma ghost flex if yeah. I've ever fucking heard one. She was like, I don't like those. Get She's those. like, I don't want the blue ones. I want the purple ones. Those are shitty. It's my goddamn funeral. Thank you. <laughs> that's the kind of ghost I want to be. Absolutely. Like, I'm obsessed. Not taking prisoners. Like, give no fucks. It was, Lay it out. It, I, I, I'm all about a ghost flex. Fuck yes. I'm all about it. Abigail Adams and her husband John, the second president of the United States, moved to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue from the former U.S. Capitol in Philadelphia in 1800. At the time, Washington, D.C. was still just a small town built mostly on swampy land on the banks of the Potomac River. Because the east room of the new White House was the warmest and the driest, Abigail used it to hang her laundry. Her ghost, seen wearing a cap and lace shawl, has reportedly been spotted heading towards the East Room, arms outstretched and positioned as if carrying laundry. Ugh, no, okay, I'd rather have the Rose Garden. I don't want to do fucking laundry for the rest of my life. Girl! Ugh, it's my literal nightmare. L I hate doing laundry in real life. I don't mind it, but I don't want to do it for the rest of my fucking life. No, God, no. No, it's one of those things I rationally hate. <laughs> And then every time I do it, I'm like, that wasn't that, that was, bad. No, I feel like it's a fairly easy chore as far as chores go. Like, the machines do the work pretty much. Like, it's annoying to fold it and put it away, sure. But, like, you can do that in front of the TV. Like, it's chill. Whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. But I irrationally hate this. <laughs> but so so being doomed to doing this to for eternity? the rest of eternity? No, fuck no. Witnesses have said that they've even seen the former first lady actually hanging the laundry in the East Room. This poor woman. No <sighs> need. I know. I know. <laughs> She appeared frequently during the Taft administration and as late as 2002. If you don't happen to catch a glimpse of her apparition, you'll know she's there because she's often accompanied by the smell of laundry soap. Okay. That's nice. nice. But she's still doing fucking laundry? Yeah. No, girl. No. Specters of British soldiers have been seen in various areas of the White House. Shit. They have sometimes been reportedly seen holding torches, waiting to burn the White House down all over again, while others have been seen at the North Portico standing guard. John Tyler, the 10th president of the United States, is often seen proposing to his second wife in the Blue Room, which... How that's really sweet, that? actually. I think that's really cute. I think it's really cute, yeah. Thomas Jefferson can be seen playing the violin in the Yellow Room. Oh, shit. Classy. Yeah. Okay. William Henry Harrison, the ninth president and the first president to die in the White House, and the shortest serving U.S. president in U.S. history, serving a whopping 31 days before succumbing to pneumonia, 
I was gonna say, yeah. Yep. Because he did get his speech well, in the fucking cold pain. Yeah, yeah so, like an idiot. So for those of you who don't know, why did he get pneumonia? Because when he was inaugurated on March 4th, 1841, which was a very cold and rainy day, he opted out of wearing a hat or an overcoat, thought it was a swell idea to ride on horseback to the ceremony instead of in the closed carriage that had been offered to him, then proceeded to deliver the longest inaugural address in American history, clocking in at 8,445 words, which was edited down. That was the edited down version, by the way. Dude, come on. And it took him almost two hours to read. Fuck! Like, I'm sorry, you're an idiot. Like, I come mean, on. Everyone's mother was like, don't go outside, it's cold and rainy, you'll catch pneumonia. Literally every single one. For Literally every As everyone. long as fucking pneumonia's been around. I have a sweater that says, ponte un suéter, which is put on a sweater in Spanish, because that's <laughs> I what love that. every grandma and yes. every mom tells you to do. Yes! You're going to catch a cold, put on a sweater. So I have a sweater that literally tells me to put on a sweater. You know his mom when he died was like, fucking told him. I told him to put on the Every fucking time. I told him. So yeah, so he delivered a two-hour inaugural address, all of this in the cold and rain without his overcoat and his hat. Then he rode through the streets in the inaugural parade, (laughs) stood for a three-hour receiving line at the White House, and attended... Three inaugural balls that evening. He really doubled down. He, yeah. This is a very look at your life, look at your choices moment. Yes. Yeah. Given that he died 31 days into office, it's no fucking wonder that he haunts the residence he barely got to spend any time in. Yeah, he's like, they're not kicking me out. Like, fuck it. He has reportedly been seen in the attic, which that's kind of creepy. That is creepy. Like, it's like chilling in the attic. Maybe, like, there's, like, a president, a ghostly president, like, caucus, and they're like, you were here for 31 days? <laughs> we have the main house? You got the attic. Get in the fucking attic. Yeah. Like, arrested development. You live yeah. in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta keep it pristine for the other ghosts. I got it. I got it. That's fair. <laughs> they're like, this fucking idiot. Frances Folsom Cleveland, the wife of the 22nd and 24th president of the United States, Grover Cleveland, because he's the only president who had a, another like break president, in, a break yeah. in between. That's You're right. learning so much history, kids. You really are. You're welcome. I don't know why, but I was like, did she just like marry another president? She was like, fuck, this guy is out of office. I'll be at the next one. I, I was mean, like, no, same guy. Okay. I'd be into that savage shit right? for sure. I love it. Yeah. Goals. Yeah, right? And she was also the youngest, I believe she was the youngest first lady. Oh, okay. She was like 21. Oh, shit, yeah. Get it, get it, girl. But she is said to be heard crying on the second floor, which, what the fuck? Our baby. That's worse than folding laundry for the rest of your life. Can you imagine spending all of eternity crying somewhere? Girl, no. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I'll take the laundry. I don't know. It depends on the day. It depends (laughs) if Ted Lasso's on. Then I'll be like... This is great. <laughs> if in and of itself is on, then I'm going to spend all of eternity crying. But it's good tears. It's good tears. One White House footman who began working in the 1860s reported seeing the ghosts of Presidents Grant and McKinley. Then there is what is referred to as the thing. What? Well, the thing has a super ominous name. It's actually believed to be the spirit of a young teen boy whose hand grasps the shoulder of unsuspecting visitors as if to look over their shoulders, which, no. No. They no. said that as if that was comforting, and I'm, like, death-gripping this chair right now. Like, that's horrifying. I don't want a young teen boy ghost to touch my shoulder. I don't want a young teen boy, boy. to touch me, period. <laughs> Literally. But I don't think it deserves the name of the thing. Yeah. That's oh, a lot. No, because the thing from Adam's family, right? It's the hand. That makes sense. I, thank you. You're welcome. I was like, You're I so had welcome. no idea. It literally, I, it just occurred to me. There you go. 
I'm obsessed with the Adams family. Oh my god, yes, by the because way. that is the only response to the Adams family. Correct. Yes. Correct. Yes. And they're remaking it, and there's a lot of like who everyone's gonna play. Ooh, I love it. The last time I dressed up for Halloween, I was technically Wednesday Adams, but that was just because I didn't want to get a costume, and I was like, hair braid. I did the collar shirt. Like we're good. Yeah, I mean, phoned it in. Oh, it's so good. I looked amazing though. Let's get this. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't want to be Christina Ricci in the 90s? Yes! Oh my god. But it was peak, like, fucking killing it. Ugh. It's like I'm dressed like a mass murderer. They look like everyone else. Fuck yeah. Fuck yes. Fuck yeah. And one of the few times that the sequel, better than the better original. Better than the original, yeah. I know we're going on a tangent, but it's really important because this is, <laughs> it, attention must be paid. Joan Cusack mm. as Debbie Galinsky is every motherfucking thing. Yes. That is a couple costume. Debbie and Fester is all I've ever wanted to do. Like, that's why I want a boyfriend, is to do couple <laughs> costumes. And then November 1st, fine, we can break up. I don't give a shit. It's all I want. Her speech going through the people she's killed, where she's like, my parents, Sharon and Date, yeah. loving, doting, or were they? <laughs> and she talks about all I ever wanted was a ballerina Barbie and her pretty pink tutu. My birthday. I was 10. Do you know what they got me? Malibu Barbie. It is so incredible. I like literally can't handle my life about it. You do um, it justice right there. You do they, really good job. Oh, yeah. This is like in my fucking soul. Oh, I can't yeah. recite the entire movie talked about. Of course you can. I'm obsessed. So that's why it's called The Thing. Yes. There you go. The hand. The hand. The hand peeking over your shoulder. Uh, I'm obviously obsessed with the Adams family and didn't make that correlation. Thank you, Amy. This You're is so welcome. Why you bring I'm so happy with light to my life. Yay. Watch the Adams Family though. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, it's so good. Also, Angelica Houston, amazing life goals. Amazing. Holy fuck! So this situation with the thing was such a regular occurrence that President Taft had to shut that shit down and ordered that anyone in his staff that would say anything or acknowledge the thing's existence would be fucking fired. That's kind of bullshit. I mean, yes, but I don't like that. I don't either. But that just shows how much of a thing it was. Hey, right. Well played. Oh, yeah. I didn't even mean to do that. How, how it goes? I'm just that good, kid. You're just amazing. This is top quality <laughs> content. It's great, A. Also, that's just like bullshit because you know it's still happening. It's just that nobody's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a Cuban household. So, so that's, that's what's going on all the time. That's all yeah. of the time. Yeah. All right. If we just don't acknowledge it, it's, it's not happening. happening. It's, yeah. Go about your life. America. <laughs> America. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Speaking of ominous, there's also a demon cat that haunts no. the property. Mm-mm. No, I'm out. While the demon cat may at first look like a harmless kitten, the closer one gets, the more it grows in size and evil. Which what the what? fuck? That's not the only scary thing about this entity. The spectral feline is supposedly only seen before a national disaster. Really? A White House guard said it saw it a week before the stock market crash of 1929. Which Holy fuck. It's also my birthday. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> and it's like, you look great for being born in 1929. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Oil of Olay. <laughs> it was also reportedly seen shortly before the Kennedy assassination in 1963. What? Yeah. Fuck, dude. Yeah. I tried to find if it was seen around 9-11. I was going to say September 11th, yeah. But I didn't find anything. That doesn't mean it wasn't seen. And also, it could just be that thing of people being like, 
not gonna pretend I didn't see, see that. that. Yeah, or, especially if it's like a lower person on the yeah in the office or whatever. Right, because most of these it's things like are, yeah. are people who are higher up or presidents who are like so it's like in their presidential library on the record. I saw this fucking crazy thing. Yes, versus just somebody who's working there and it's like ah. Uh, fucking weird i'm not gonna talk about that though yeah exactly it's like i want to get fired for being crazy because i saw a fucking demon cat in the corner yeah yeah exactly while in office abraham lincoln's son willie died of typhoid fever on february 20th 1862 when he was just 11 years old abraham lincoln claimed to have received regular ghostly visits from his son and would often see him wandering the halls of the white house mary todd lincoln willie's mother and abraham lincoln's wife was so grief-stricken by the loss of her son that she remained in her room for weeks, spoke of seeing his ghost once at the foot of her bed. While Willie Lincoln's ghost was first reported to have been seen in the White House by staff members of the Grant administration in the 1870s, people have claimed to have seen him as late into the 1960s. Damn. President Lyndon B. Johnson's college-aged daughter, Linda Bird Johnson Robb, alleges to have not only seen Willie but to have spoken to him as well. Oh, shit. Right? So this is, that goes into the intelligent haunting. Thing. Yeah. It's not just like on a loop. If you can fucking have a calm conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just I'm Mr. Burns. <laughs> fucking broken record. Excellent. <laughs> Desperate to hold on to her son, Mary Todd, who strongly believed in the occult, started holding seances in the White House. Yes. That's my fucking first lady. Let's do this. Right? And I don't know why... But I love that. Oh, yeah. Fuck The yes. thought of having a fucking seance in the fucking White House. Right? Like, you know they had to be invited. They had to be, like, on a list. She had to, like, invite these people. They in. had to be vetted. Yes. Yeah. I'm fucking here for it. Fuck yes. And even President Lincoln attended two of them. Fuck yeah, he did. I mean, but I think he wasn't as into the whole seance thing. I mean, he's not to go. I guess. But he, he, she had, like, tons of them, and he only went to two. And, of course, she did all of this in, in an effort to speak to Willie, but he never came through. Who did end up coming through were the ghosts of Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson. And Jackson allegedly came through cursing up a storm. Damn. Afterwards, Mary Todd Lincoln reported seeing and hearing Andrew Jackson storming through the house, stomping and cursing all the way. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that's the kind of ghost I would be. Let's be honest. Yeah, I... I, apparently he was someone who, as the woo-woo people would say, didn't live in his highest vibrational self. Oh, yeah, no. He definitely held grudges. He, like, cursed out people all the time. His candidacy when he ran was super contentious. Yeah. So it's very on brand for him to just be, like, cursing at the storm and be like, fuck you, know, and storming through the fucking White House. Which I'd be like, bitch, I need a fucking sleep. Can you do this through the hours of nine and five? Or, like, go outside, on the lawn. Exactly. During Jackson's presidency, his bedroom was the Rose Room and is believed to be one of the most haunted rooms in the place. Many people also report his ghost ripping out a huge gut laugh. So, oh, all right. So he was, he was like, like cursing and laughing. All right. I mean, he just sounds like the neighborhood drunk, right? Right? Yeah. Ulysses S. Grant, the 18th president, continued Mary Todd's tradition of holding seances in the White House and even believed that he had contacted the ghost of Willie. Another spirit believed to haunt the grounds is that of Annie Surratt. Some have sworn her ghost knocks on the front doors pleading for the release of her mother, Mary Surratt, who was a Confederate spy who was accused and convicted of playing a role in Lincoln's assassination and later hanged. Oh, shit. And of course, 
we cannot talk about the ghosts of the White House without talking about its most famous and most documented permanent resident, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, shit! Yeah, girl. Yeah, it's... You're not oh, ready. He's, he's prolific? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Damn. So before we get into that, prior to his assassination, Abraham Lincoln is said to have predicted his own death. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. In November 1860, Lincoln told his wife that he knew he would be reelected for a second term, but that he would die in office. In the three nights leading up to his assassination, he had the same dream each night. Ward Hill Lamon, Abraham Lincoln's former law partner, friend, and sometimes bodyguard, which, you know, what a fucking CV, wrote a detailed account of what the president had told him. He said, quote, I retired very late. I had been up waiting for important dispatches from the front. I could not have been long in bed when I fell into a slumber, for I was weary. I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs, as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. There the silence was broken by the same pitiful sobbing, but the mourners were invisible. I went from room to room, no living person was in sight, but the same mournful sounds of distress met me as I passed along. I saw light in all the rooms. Every object was familiar to me, but where were all the people who were grieving as if their hearts would break? I was puzzled and alarmed. What could be the meaning of all this? Determined to find the cause of a state of things so mysterious and so shocking, I kept on until I arrived at the East Room, which I entered. There I met with a sickening surprise. Before me was a catafalque, on which rested a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, and there was a throng of people gazing mournfully upon the corpse, whose face was covered, others weeping pitifully. Who was dead in the White House? I demanded of one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. Then came a loud burst of grief from the crowd, which woke me from my dream. I slept no more that night, and although it was only a dream, I have been strangely annoyed by it ever since. I mean, yeah. yeah. Of course. That should be your response. Yeah. You're not going to be like, yeah, okay, that was cool. So you want Froyo later? Or yeah, like, what? fun. Hey. This crazy dream I had, you guys. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they said the president was killed by an assassin, and I'm the president. <laughs> <laughs> it me. <laughs> oh my God. God. Even during the height of the American Civil War, Presidential security was lax at best. Hordes of people entered the White House every day. All the doors on the Pennsylvania side of the mansion, including the entrance doors, were open all day and often very late into the evening. Okay, which, that just seems ill-advised. Come on. Yes. Lock your fucking doors. Everyone fucking knows. Lock your doors. Like, son of a bitch. That's the thing that kills me when I, not to victim blame, but when you see these fucking shows and they're like, and you hear about someone being kidnapped or some awful thing happening. They're like, well, it's the type of place you didn't lock your doors. Why? Why are you not your locking doors. your doors? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I, I'm so outraged. You should be. That I can't you even speak. speak. Yes. Lock your fucking doors. Lock your fucking doors. The White House was one of those small towns where they did not lock their doors, apparently. Washington, D.C., not a small town. Exactly. You should lock your fucking doors. Lock your fucking doors. Also, it's a fucking war. Hello? Hello? <sighs> Lincoln finally gave in to concerns for his safety, and in November 1864 was assigned four around-the-clock bodyguards. One of these was William H. Crook, who was a member of the Washington Police Force and a former Union Army soldier, so he was legit as fuck. On April 14, 1865, 
Crook began his shift at 8 a.m. He was supposed to have been relieved by John Frederick Parker at 3, but Parker was several hours late. Lincoln had told Crook that he had been having dreams of his being assassinated for three straight nights. Lincoln said, quote, I believe there are men who want to take my life, and I have no doubt that they will do it. But if it is to be done, it is impossible to prevent it, end quote. And obviously, very concerned Crook tried to persuade the president to stay home and not attend the performance of the play that night at Ford's Theater. But Lincoln said he had promised his wife that he would take her to the theater. God damn it, Mary. Right? Yeah. The things you do for love. I know. But like, you had a dream three nights in a row. Yeah. That you were going to be assassinated. Mary seems pretty cool. I'm pretty sure you could say like, hey, babe. I mean, she wasn't. She was severely mentally disturbed. Oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> severely? <laughs> severely. <laughs> My bad. So I think she might have flipped her shit. All right. If he was like, oh, just kidding. We're not going to go see our American cousin. What? Couldn't do it. Uh, so I guess not. He, he knew what he married. All right. Yeah. As they parted ways, Lincoln said, goodbye, Crook. Crook later recalled, quote, it was the first time that he had neglected to say goodnight to me. And it was the only time that he ever said goodbye. Uh, he knew. Yeah. I thought of it at that moment. And a few hours later, when the news flashed over Washington that he had been shot, his last words were so burned into my being that they can never be forgotten. Oh, End quote. Chills. Same. Yeah. Same. It's crazy to me when I give myself chills. I know. <laughs> You're like, I did it though. Good I job. I did it. Yeah. Pat on the back. <laughs> hey, thing. Pat me on the back. <laughs> Secretary of the Navy Gideon Wells wrote an entry in his diary regarding the cabinet meeting that occurred at noon the day of Lincoln's assassination. Grant was anxiously awaiting news from General Sherman regarding a battle, and the president remarked that he was certain the news would have come soon and would be positive because he had had a dream the night before. He has tons of fucking dreams. Yeah, clearly. And they're all ominous as fuck, just, you know. <laughs> FYI. FYI. Because he had a dream the night before, which had preceded nearly every important event of the war. In the dream, Lincoln said that he was on what, quote, seemed to be a singular and indescribable vessel, but always the same, and that he was moving with great rapidity towards a dark and indefinite shore, oh, end shit. quote. Which... Ominous as fuck. That almost creeps me out more than the other dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just, like, rushing into nothingness, into, like, the abyss? No. Yeah. No, no, no. While the dream didn't always mean that a victory was going to follow, Lincoln noted that the event and results of whatever preceded the dream were always important, and he had no doubt that his dream was about the battle currently being fought. He said, quote, Johnston will be beaten, for I had the strange dream again last night. It must relate to Sherman. My thoughts are in that direction. And I know of no other very important event which is likely just now to occur. End quote. Oh, shit. Yeah. What? He was like, well, it's only, it only happens when, like, super important shit in the nation comes up. And the only thing I know is this battle. Obvi. Obvi. Sure. On the evening of April 14th, 1865, President Lincoln, his wife Mary Todd Lincoln, Major Henry Rathbone, and his fiancée Clara Harris attended the play Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater. John Frederick Parker, the clown who showed up several hours late for his shift, was assigned to guard the entrance of the president's box where the four were seated. He is known to have stayed at his assigned post for the first half of the show, but then was 
allegedly stuff. Are you yeah. telling me this motherfucker like showed up fucking like four hours late for work and then like took a break like 20 minutes into his fucking shift? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how this dude didn't get shit. How did you get fucking hired in the first place? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. All right. But then allegedly mm. was released by Lincoln until the end of the play, leaving Lincoln totally vulnerable to attack. During the intermission, Parker went to a nearby tavern. With Lincoln's valet and coachman, because why the fuck not? He's drinking on the clock, because of course, yeah. While it was unclear whether Parker ever returned to the theater, he was not at his post when John Wilkes Booth shot the president. Crook, who obviously was a man who knew what the fuck time it was, always blamed Parker for not being there to protect the president. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. I also don't believe that Lincoln was like, yeah, no, go do whatever you want. Yeah, I've been having super ominous dreams. I'm just gonna dismiss my bodyguard for the evening. I'm sure it's fine. No. The woman who owned the Winchester Mystery House was told by a fucking psychic that all of the ghosts of the people who died at the hands of Winchester rifles were going to haunt her and fucking kill her if she stopped construction on her fucking house. That's why her house looks insane. She didn't stop construction. Like, she believed that <gasps> shit. Yes. That, and you're going to tell me that Lincoln has the, like that. these? And he's like, you know... I know that you've only been working for 15 minutes because you showed up four hours fucking late. But you have a drink. Have two for me. How about it? No. I'll tell you how the play is. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Get the fuck out of here. Are you kidding me? This is insane. Ridiculous. Bitch, you don't even believe this story. The only thing... Be a better liar. That's all I'm going to say. The only thing I could think is that he knew it was inevitable because he really thought, like, you couldn't stop it. And he was just like, fuck it. Like, I'll let the bodyguard have a night off instead of him watching me get fucking shot. I mean, that I thought That's of that the as only well. Thing. Yeah. But also, no. Also, no! Bullshit, yeah. Also, do your fucking job. That's what you're, like, 1099 for. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that is your job. <laughs> Literally what I hired you for. Yes. Like, you're no offense. Be- you should be dead, not me. Like, you were supposed to take the fucking bullet for me. This guy's a fucking clown. <laughs> And Crook knows what the fuck time it is. By far the most frequently reported sighting in the White House over the years has been the ghost, or at least the presence, of the celebrated 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, whose life was cut short tragically by an assassin's bullet. Lincoln's ghost is said to have haunted the White House since his death in 1865. While it makes sense that Lincoln's spirit would feel drawn to the White House, if you ascribe to the whole ghost having unfinished business thing, yeah. He is also believed to show up in times of national crisis, so I guess he's been putting in overtime the last few years. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, for real though. Hey guys, hi. Hi. (laughs) I'm here. I'll just go to my desk. Yeah. I I, I know where everything is. (laughs) I got it. I've been here before. (laughs) It's not my first time. Grace Coolidge, wife of the 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, was the first person to say she had actually seen Lincoln's ghost. According to her, the former president was standing with his hands behind his back, looking out the window of the Oval Office across the Potomac River, which was where the former Civil War battlefields were. She said that she saw him frequently after that. Oh, shit. Teddy Roosevelt, Herbert Hoover, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and Jackie Kennedy have all seen (gasps) Abraham Lincoln. Oh, shit. And it's distinctive. Like, you fucking know it's Abraham Lincoln. Exactly. Like, even from a distance. Like, ah, he's got the hat, he's fucking, he's like, 400 feet tall. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. He's got the beard. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay, when you go to the Hall of Presidents, he's the one that you're like, it's him and Obama, because they're both incredibly <laughs> distinctive. You're like, I know exactly who those two are. I'm aware. You're like, I don't know who the fuck, what the fuck Taft looks like. No. Richard Wilson? No idea. No idea. No. 
So, yes, he's incredibly distinctive. Yeah. You're like, oh, honest Abe. Hey, I see you. Hey, boo. How you doing? Press secretaries for President Johnson and Eisenhower reported that they felt Lincoln's presence. FDR's personal valet not only saw Lincoln, but the dead president looked at the valet and said his name. Oh! Caesar Carrera Nobles. So he's oh, like, shit. No, you gave me chills with that one. No, no, no. Right? That was weird. I would figure out if a ghost said my name. Yeah. No. And it's like not an American one. Yeah. It's not like his name was John and he was like, hey, John. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Yeah. No. Lady Bird Johnson, wife of President Lyndon Baines Johnson, reportedly felt Lincoln's presence one night while she was watching a television program about his death. Which, yeah, that's kind of in bad taste. She's like, did I hear my name? Hello. We'll be like, that's not how that happened. <laughs> that's not how that happened. Oh my god, he is a <laughs> They got that wrong. False. <laughs> Fuck off. I looked much better yeah. than in this reenactment. <laughs> what do they get to play me? This is fucking bullshit. What is with the party city wings? <laughs> What the fuck? What is this, celebrity ghost story? Get out of here. Girl! Get out of here. Oh, God. I love celebrity ghost stories. (laughs) That's the only correct answer, Monique. That's right. That is right. That's why we're friends. One of a thousand reasons. Yes. Teddy Roosevelt and a number of staff members of the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration claimed to have seen Lincoln's spirit. On one occasion, Roosevelt's personal valet ran screaming from the White House claiming to have seen Lincoln's ghosts. Okay. Well, I think that was a bit of an overreaction. Yeah, relax. Like power walk out, or you could just make like a mm, noise. Don't scream and run. Yeah, it's just, Lincoln. It's not fucking like I don't know. It's not, not, a, it's not a demon cat. Like yeah. come on, chill. He's just gonna free you. It's fine. Right. Relax. <laughs> Love it. While the beloved 16th president has been seen throughout the property, he has been mostly encountered in the Lincoln bedroom. Here's the thing: the Lincoln bedroom was not a bedroom when Lincoln was president. It was his cabinet room where he signed important legislature and executive orders like the Emancipation Proclamation. Fuck yeah. He's trying to get to work. He doesn't think it's a bedroom. Exactly. He's like, where's my office? Like, and if he sees that the country's a shit show, he's like, guys, I got it. <laughs> I'm in the bedroom. We're good. I got yeah. it. Sights of Lincoln's ghost were frequently reported during the long administration of FDR, who also presided over the country during a time of great upheaval. Mary Evan, who worked for Eleanor Roosevelt, reported seeing him on his bed, pulling on his boots. Her screams apparently brought Secret Service agents <gasps> running. People can't handle Lincoln. Yeah, apparently not. Him. I'm a total scaredy cat, but I think I'd be into seeing Lincoln. Right? I think you'd have the moment of like, hey, before you got know. scared, right? Yeah. 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 In a 1932 talk about life in the White House, Eleanor Roosevelt told a group in San Antonio that she used the Lincoln bedroom as her study. And when she worked there late at night, she would, quote, get a distinct feeling that there was somebody in the room, end quote. Oh, shit. That's at night. I don't want to see it. Yeah, no, no. I don't want to see it at night. No. During the day's fine. According to President Ronald Reagan, Rex, his King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, had twice barked frantically in the Lincoln bedroom and then backed out and refused to ever set foot on the <gasps> threshold. Okay, that's all the proof I needed. Like, I don't give a shit about anyone's testimony. The dog fucking knows. The dog fucking saw him 100%. Okay, wait, there's another story. Oh, the okay. On another evening, while the Reagans were watching TV in their room, Rex stood up on his hind legs, pointed his nose at the ceiling, <gasps> and began barking at something invisible overhead. To their amazement, the dog walked around the room barking at the ceiling. Chills. Fuck yes. President Reagan said, quote, I started to think about it and I began to wonder if the dog was responding to an electric signal too high pitched for human ears, perhaps beamed towards the White House by a foreign embassy. I asked my staff to look into it, end quote. 
And of course, they didn't find anything of that okay. nature. Okay, that was a reasonable yeah. like, assumption, though. Of okay. course, yeah. But no, you're you live in a haunted house. <laughs> Legit, yes. <laughs> Legit, that's what's happening. At her dinner party, Reagan recounted the following story. Quote, My daughter Maureen and her husband always stay in the Lincoln bedroom when they visit the White House. Some time ago, her husband woke up and saw a transparent figure standing at the bedroom window looking out. Then it turned and disappeared. His wife teased him mercilessly about it for a month. Bitch! Right? Then, when they were here recently, she woke up one morning and saw the same figure standing at the window looking out. She could see the trees right through it. Again, it turned and disappeared. End quote. Ready to be teased mercilessly right? now because you saw a ghost? Right? Don't yeah. be a dick. Don't be a dick. If someone, if your dude is super vulnerable with you and is like, P.S., I like super think I saw something. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln in our bedroom last night. Oh, you silly goose. Like, is, is that one of those things like, do I need to go in first or are you afraid Abraham Lincoln's going to be in there? <laughs> Don't be that person. No, fuck no. Even if you think that they're full of it, just be supportive. Be like, oh, how do you feel about that? Yeah. That's crazy. Cool. You know, do we need to see a therapist or something? Yeah. Then no. you'll be embarrassed when you see it fucking holy Twitter. Right. Yeah. Don't, like, be a dick. That's the worst when someone's like, huh, huh, and yeah. then... Go fuck yourself. And then it ends up happening to them. Oh, it's my favorite. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> But it's the worst. Yes, your like, comeuppance. Exactly. Oh, a comeuppance. Oh. Mm, yes. There was also another occasion when President Reagan and his guests saw Lincoln's apparition looking out the window. He was just... Just chilling. He was just chilling. Being like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Like surveying the grounds. Like, just, you know, looking yeah. out. It's like, hey, look, there's a dolly there in her rose garden. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dolly. Looking good, yeah. girl. In 1940, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who had been a regular visitor of the White House, was staying in the Lincoln bedroom one night. He had just stepped out of a hot bath in the same room and was wearing nothing but his signature cigar. That poor ghost. When he encountered Lincoln by the fireplace. And Lincoln peaced the fuck out. was like, I'm good. Good evening, Mr. President, Churchill reportedly said. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. <laughs> I love Winston Churchill. I, how would you not? Like, what a bamf. Oh my god. Lincoln smiled softly at that, as if laughing, and disappeared. While the Prime Minister gave the most baller fucking response to being confronted with the ghost of a dead president yes. while in your birthday suit, nonetheless. Yes! He refused to ever sleep in the Lincoln bedroom again. Alright, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean... You handled it beautifully. You know, I'm so envious of quippy people. Yeah. I have my moments, but very rarely. Very rarely that you get a singer out and you're like, fuck, that was funny. Yeah, and I was like, where did that even come from? I don't even know. Yeah. You know, like the movie Dick Tracy, completely underrated. It's excellent. If I could talk like any of those characters for like two days, my life would be fucking made. Yes. They're so cool. Yes. And everyone's so fucking snappy and they're fast and they're fucking... Yeah. You're right. So the quips. I played a really fun game called Quiplash and I, I know you're not a big game person. No. But it was really, it's basically like Cards Against Humanity, but you make up your own answers. It was a lot of fun. It's all dirty answers, obviously. Of course. Because I played with perverts and degenerates. I mean, is there any other way to play with them? I mean, I don't have any other friends, so. Obviously. <laughs> Speaking of, of degenerates, so I, so I mentioned my friend Donna on here before. And she is, without a doubt, the classiest person I know. She's super classy. She has a beautiful apartment. She she was an opera singer who's performed at Carnegie Hall in La Scala. She is like... Legit, yeah. Legit as fuck, classy as fuck. And I always say that me and the crew of friends that are friends with her are her degenerate friends. <laughs> 
And a few years ago, it was her 60th, and she had this like beautiful catered party in her house. And me and my and my friends decided that for her birthday gift, we were going to go in together and buy her like a really beautiful cake, like a okay. fancy cake. So we did that. But and then one of the friends, Ed and I, were like, we should make Donna like a dirty girl cake though, and then yes. pretend that this is the cake <gasps> that we bought. That's hysterical. So. Ed, of course, randomly had a dick cake mold. As one does. Who doesn't? Yeah. Obviously. You know. So we made this dick cake and then we bought a Barbie that looked like Donna and like cut her hair to look like her hair and bought the one that had a dress that looked similar to like the dress that she had. And then we like positioned it so it was like a Barbie riding this huge dick and, you know, and we made it like veiny. We put white frosting on the Barbie's mouth. We put little bottles of Bailey's because she loves uh, an Irish coffee. Originally, the plan was to be like, don't you love your cake? And like really sell it. Yeah. And But it was a thing like it was snowing and like people were canceling and not coming. So she was very stressed. So we're like, okay, we can't, we can't, do, we can't do that because she's not, she's not in a place to find this funny. That's responsible to you. So we were like, this is your cake. This is your beautiful cake. That's, you know, it's very lovely and expensive and classy, just like you. I was like, and then this is just for you. We don't recommend you eat it. It's probably terrible. <laughs> here you go. And then she calmed down and it actually worked out because she probably didn't have room for all of the people who canceled because a billion fucking people showed up to this party and it was amazing. Oh, nice. But she like... Her, like, rad ride-or-die friends, she would, like, sneak them off into the bedroom to look at the dirty girl cake. Oh, I love it. And I'm like, yeah, yes. baby, you're degenerate friends. <laughs> you're welcome. How we enrich your life. Yeah. And she's such, so supportive and a huge supporter of this podcast, and I'm obsessed with her. I love you, Don. You're amazing. Amazing. Right? Yes. Back to my story. <laughs> <laughs> Tangents. Tangents. Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands was sleeping in the Lincoln bedroom in 1942 when she reportedly heard a knock on her bedroom door, opened it to see the bearded president, and fainted. It was very polite of him because he could just walk through the door, so... Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe he doesn't... Yeah, I'm sure he knows he can do that. I would hope so. Because he, like, maybe he's... Maybe good old Honest Abe is a listener of the podcast and he's like, I can do that! (laughs) No idea. I spent 200 years fucking knocking. Waiting for people to open fucking doors for me. This is bullshit. That's my goddamn cabinet room. Literally called the Lincoln bedroom. I can't even walk through the fucking door. What the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, Abe, you can walk through. You, you can. can. walk through walls. But also, you know, consent permission. There you go. That's okay. also a thing. Yes. So knock. Keep doing what you're doing and don't listen to us. <laughs> I'm a degenerate, as I just said. <laughs> When Lillian Rogers Parks, the seamstress for the White House, once investigated the sound of someone pacing an upper level of the White House, another staff member told her the room in question had been unoccupied and, quote, that was old Abe pacing the floor, end quote. The last known recorded sighting of Lincoln's ghost was in the early 1980s when Tony Savoy, White House operations foreman, came into the White House and saw Lincoln sitting in a chair at the top of some stairs. I mentioned a bunch of people have seen Lincoln, like uh, Teddy Roosevelt and Jackie Kennedy. And most recently, Michelle Obama reported (gasps) being awoken in the middle of the night by strange sounds. Oh, shit. Right? Fuck yes. Yeah. I believe Michelle, let's be honest. I mean, I believe her guns. Her guns won't allow me to contradict her. No. God, as they shouldn't. Guns for days. (laughs) For days. Got it, girl. While it's super understandable to be freaked the fuck out by the regular haunts and goings-on at the White House, Harry Truman 
seemed to have eventually had a good outlook on the whole thing. After Truman wrote to his wife about the knocks on his door, the president's daughter, Margaret, wrote him back. In a 1986 biography of her mother, Margaret said that she and her mother were skeptical of the existence of ghosts, and she wrote her father to say so. In his reply, he said, quote, I'm sure they're here, and I'm not so much alarmed at meeting up with any of them. I'm sure old Andrew Jackson could give me good advice and probably teach me good swear words. Andy yeah, Jackson, okay. like, yeah, his reputation real. is... Precedes him, clearly. Something fierce. Mouth of a sailor on that <laughs> And I'm sure Grover Cleveland could tell me some choice remarks to make to some political leaders. So I won't lock my doors or bar them either if any of the old coots in the pictures out in the hall want to come out of their frames for a friendly chat. There you go. And that is the story of the most well-known haunts. Crazy. Yeah. I am weirdly too intrigued by the demon cat. Same. I need so much more information. Same. Like, whose cat, cat was yes. it? Did it belong to someone? Did it just show the fuck up? Yes. Like, what is happening did with it the had to be, cat? Yeah, did it have to be killed in some horrific, like, unusual way to become this did entity, it basically? show up, like, like did Mary Todd do a seance and, like, opened a portal oh, and, brought, and, this like, and brought this fucking cat in? I didn't even fucking think what is happening with the cat? That is possible. That's fully possible. Shit. I'm here for it though. Fuck. Yeah. I want to stay in the Lincoln bedroom now. I mean, yeah. It's funny because <laughs> prior to this, there's like a Dana Carvey comedy special from like 1994. And he talks about, because Dana Carvey, for you youngins, he's most well known for being Garth Algar in Wayne's World. Wayne's World, yes. So he met, Wayne's World was created on SNL, which is where he got most of his fame. And one of the, his characters that he was very famous for was for impersonating President George Bush Sr. Yeah. It was great. It's spot on. Yeah, it's really good. He would do, he would do George Bush Sr. and Ross Perot. And George Bush Sr., being incredibly gracious, invited him to the White House. Oh, lovely. Him and his wife. And in this comedy special, he talks about that he stayed in the Lincoln bedroom. Oh, shit. And he's like, I'm not going to say whether or not I banged my wife in the Lincoln bedroom, but we have a son. His name's Abe. (laughs) (laughs) No further questions, Your Honor. Right. Exactly. Yes. I want to bang in the Lincoln bedroom. Fuck yes. I would bang anywhere in the White House. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Same. Life goals. It's one of, yeah, it's one of those where like my brain is making up even dirtier jokes, and I'm like, stop, come back. No, I like, want, I want all, pull them all in. Now. I want them. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, crazy. Yeah, it's amazing to me how many ghosts would reside in the White House who didn't actually die there. Yeah. But just because I guess they spent so much time and that was like what their... Or it might have been like the best years of their life. Or... Yeah, or the whole unfinished business yeah. thing. Like they felt like they were still, they still need to do something for our country. Maybe? Yeah, I think that the, the thing that really fucks me up is I guess I never really knew the extent of the of Lincoln's dream premonitions. Yeah, I don't think I did either. Like I remembered that he had had it. I thought he had like a dream. Yeah. I didn't realize he had, like, three consecutive nights of dreams, and they were super vivid, like you described. Yeah, like... I would have, like, taken a few more precautions if I was having fucking premonition dreams like that. I mean, let's be fucking real. Lincoln had a rough presidency. Yeah. He was dealing with a lot. He was dealing with a lot, because he might have been like, you know... Honestly... You know, it's been real. This is a lot of work. It's been a rough week. It's been a long four years. Uh, If it happens, it happens, but, like, I'm not fucking... I'm not wanting it to happen, but I'm not gonna, like do a lot of shit to not have it happen. Yeah. 
I mean, he apparently sent his bodyguard, allegedly sent his bodyguard away. Yeah. The worst one. Crook was the guy. Yeah, he was looking at him. Yeah. He was the guy who was going to save your ass if you were going to have somebody save your ass. Which here's the thing, too. Like, why are you leaving Crook at the fucking White House? Yeah, that's true. You're not there. there all the time. Joined at the hip. Like, I would have basically had him as just, like, a living human shield for me at all times. But, I mean, that's me. And here's the thing. Lincoln could be right now being like, that's not how that happened. (laughs) These bitches are getting it wrong. (laughs) Rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) Zero stars. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Do you have a crime story for me? Oh, I have crime story for you. A little crime for you? A little diablo crime? A little crime? Oh my god, I'm sorry. Wait, I didn't give any fucking sources to my shit. Oh shit! Shit, I had so many. Hold on. Sorry! <laughs> She's so responsible though. You remembered like during the episode. I'm a degenerate. It's always like three days later that I'm like, fuck the sources. God was, damn it. And these are fucking legit. My sources for the story you just heard. WashingtonPost.com Complex.com Wikipedia.com History.com, wearethemighty.com, and huffpost.com. Oh shit, that was a lot of sources. A lot, and they're legit. They are. I'm like, you have more sources than me, and I did the <laughs> No, but I always have like a billion sources. Because I'll source something if I take, if I pull one, one line thing, from a thing. Yes. I'm like, well, I gotta source yes. it. MLA. No, I totally agree. Does anyone do that anymore? I don't the know. The MLA? They, I'm sure they do. Sure they Citation? Yes. So today, I'm gonna go into... The Mary Day Mystery. Oh. My sources are cbsnews.com, which, full disclosure, apparently this was a 48 hours episode, and I did not realize that, so I went basically completely off the article. I did not watch the episode. But if you would like to, there's a whole 48 hours episode about the Mary Day Mystery. I also used Wikipedia and dailymail.co.uk. So her full name is Mary Louise Day, and Mary was born in Little Falls, New York on February 19th, 1968 to Charlotte Pressler and Charles Day. She was the oldest and had two younger sisters, Kathy and Sherry. Mary and her two sisters did not have an easy childhood. They were constantly in and out of foster homes since their mother couldn't care for them in their early years. And at some point while the girls were in foster care, Charlotte divorced Charles and married a man named William Cole. He enlisted in the United States Army, and in 1976, Charlotte regained custody of Mary and Kathy, but not their other sister, Sherry. In 1978, the family moved to Hawaii due to Hull's status in the Army. By this time, Sherry was legally adopted by her foster family, separating her from her two sisters. Hmm. Charlotte gave birth to two more children after that, Billie Jean and William Jr. Mary's father, Charles Day, was killed in an accident sometime afterwards and left an inheritance to Mary and Kathy, which they could get when they turned 18. In December 1980, it was discovered that William was physically abusing Mary. Fuck. She was removed from her mother and stepfather's care and taken into protective custody. They were still living in Hawaii at the time, but moved to Seaside, California shortly after, when William was reassigned to another base. Mary was still in protective custody in Hawaii when they moved. But after a few months, Mary was taken out and sent to live with the rest of her family in California. Damn. So they put her in protective custody. In Hawaii. Her family moves to California. She's still in Hawaii in protective custody. And then they're like, hey, we're just going to like send you home to your like abusive family in California now. No big deal. Holy fuck. I mean, and here's the thing. What is Not the, good. What did you say that this is the 70s? This is 1980 at this point. Jesus. Okay. Way too late for that to be happening. Yeah. I was like, it's not that 
It's not that long ago. Even though I know that the 80s were like, it was like fucking dead one. There especially was no in, fucking Especially rules. in California, like fucking wild. Wild. Obviously. So much lead poisoning. Clearly, everyone's deranged. I mean, yes. Yes. But honestly, this kind of shit happens now. To this day. Yep. A hundred fucking percent. Her family said she frequently attempted to run away from her home because I obviously how, she's why? like, I want to get the fuck out of here. I couldn't fucking imagine why. But would always be brought back. Ugh. Right? Not she came back. No, was she, like brought back, I'm sure, by police or some sort of government agency. Mary, yes. I have a theory as to how the story ends, but you have several pages. I have, so I'm gonna let you, <laughs> I have a few more pages. I'm going to let you, but spoiler, it's not a great one. <laughs> Former Seaside Police Chief Steve Sircone said, quote, Children's Protective Services had taken custody of Mary. She was eventually turned back over to the family. In my opinion, the system failed. Yes. Yes. That's not an opinion. Fucking percent. That's a certifiable fact. Yes. And this is the fucking police chief oh. saying this. Former police chief. Oh my God. In July of 1981, Mary disappeared from her home in Seaside. Despite their daughter's disappearance, Charlotte and William did not report her missing at any time. And even continued to cash Mary's government checks. Yeah, because they fucking murdered her. Well, we'll see. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Which she received because her father, Charles, who was her actual biological father, had died in an accident. Since Mary had never been enrolled in school in California and only recently moved there, there wasn't anything that would have raised any red flags oh with any authorities. God. Yes. How about the fact that she was in protective custody? And literally had been like in and out of foster homes basically her whole childhood because of how... Because her mom couldn't care for her, basically. I was going to call her a de- degenerate, but then I was like, we're degenerate. No. And, like, we're amazing. She's a so, fucking like, dead beef. I just don't understand how this happens. Infuriating. I, other than it's just people who are, like, pencil pusher people who don't give a fuck about their job. And, like, it's and a name like, on a paper and not a human being. Yeah. That actually, their life depends on you doing your job. Yeah. And even if the system is just, like, so overwhelmed and so overtaxed. Then like, figure it the uh, fuck out. It's, yeah. Figure it's it out. heartbreaking. It's fucking heartbreaking. Oh my god. Continue. I know. She's on the first page. Guys. I'm on the first page. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is not going to get better. No. It was actually Mary's sister Sherry who finally filed the missing persons report in 1994. 13 years after her disappearance. I'm sorry. I'm not audibly reacting because Your jaw? my jaw was on the Dropped. floor. Dropped. And let me guess. This is when the, what is Sherry? That's her name? Yes. This is when she's an adult and can do it? Is yes. That, yep. That's why, because she can go against her parents. She's no longer living in the fucking house, yeah, in the I think, terror house. I think I did the math, and I, I think she was, like, 23 at of this course. point, or like, 22 at this point. She's an adult, and she can yeah. finally She waited this. where she could cut her fucking abusive family off, and then be like, P.S., they totally did something to my fucking sister. Yes, and Sherry was the one who was legally adopted by the foster family she was staying with while they were in Hawaii. So she was not even reunited with Mary and Kathy, who got taken to Seaside, California. This is sounding like the Unsolved Mysteries episode. Girl. Girl. <gasps> well, hopefully, girl, it's solved. Okay. You can make your own determination. Okay. I'm intrigued. Continue. Good. What I've if done, I said I've I, done my job? If you were what just if like, I said I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I understand. I see several I pages would, there. You're not enthralling me. You're not engaging me. I'm done with you as a person, <laughs> as a business partner. <laughs> Good day, uh, sir. <laughs> You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. As dead as I am inside, I might cry. Full disclosure. <laughs> Second of all, if that happened, I would be like, you're, you're right. Fuck it. I would totally toss this and I would just talk shit with you for the last 30 minutes of the podcast and I would like not give a fuck and I would just run with it. 
And it's still be great. It's one of those things, like, best of a bad situation. Like, I fucked it up, but, like, whatever. Like, we'll figure it out. Continue. You would never do that, though. I know. You're amazing. I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> so Sherry files the missing persons report in 1994. Despite being legally adopted by another family, Sherry kept in touch with her birth family and would visit them on occasion. On one such visit, she asked where Mary was. Kathy, the other sister, said, quote, don't say anything. We're not allowed to talk about Mary. Stop it. Oh my God. End quote. Yes. Literally the kids know where the fucking body's buried. Kathy told Sherry that their mother told them that Mary had run away. Get Sherry said, at that time, I wasn't sure what I thought, except that it didn't make sense to me. Sherry remembered her mother would often talk about hiding bodies in California, <gasps> saying, quote, my mother told me there were many places in California you could bury a body and it would never be found. I started believing she was murdered. Oh my God. End quote. Here's the thing. You go around parading that shit and then your kid goes missing and then you're like, I didn't do anything. This is the same shit as Susan Cox Powell and Josh Powell, who he fucking went around to everyone being like, oh, I know where, where you could um, get rid of a body. They'd never find it. like, hey, shut the fuck up. And then guess what? One night his fucking wife goes missing. But he said, oh yeah, I had nothing to do with it. Of course not. Of course like, not. Ran your fucking mouth. Except way before one, him. it's always the husband. And two, he got rid of all of her shit and then moved to another state. Okay, sketchy. Scott Peterson. All right, settle down. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Like, stop. No. Ugh. When Seaside Police launched their investigation in 2002, eight years after the report had been filed and 21 years after the disappearance itself. Oh my God. There wasn't much to go on. Obviously. Obviously. The neighbors barely recalled a family living there. There was no record of Mary Louise Day as an adult. No credit cards, no driver's license, or ID recorded anywhere. They don't even know what the fuck she looks like. Yeah, they only have, like, they can do the progressive photos or whatever. There hadn't been a trace of Mary in more than 20 years. Oh my god. In March 2003, Detective Bertania took Kathy to their former seaside home, Mary's last known whereabouts, in an attempt to shed some light on the case. According to Kathy, who was 11 at the time of Mary's disappearance, the last night Kathy saw Mary, they were at home together while the rest of the family went out. When they came back later that evening, their dog was sick and dying in the kitchen area. <gasps> William immediately accused Mary of poisoning the dog. What the fuck, dude? Which, like, if there's an emergency and your dog is dying, my first thing is, like, get, get the, the dog, dog to a hospital. Vet. Like, let's figure this out. Like, who gives a fuck whose fucking fault it was if anything even happened to begin with? Deal with it later. Yes. Because accusing shit is wasting time for the dog. Exactly. Immediately fucking blames Mary. Also, dogs are gonna dog. They fucking eat trash and eat whatever eat the chocolate. fuck. Like, you don't fucking know what Who happened. Fuck yeah. knows? I mean, also, this is not a rational person. This is a fucking child abuser. Yes. And spoiler, he probably was abusing the fuck out of the wife, too. It's like, Maybe, let's be fucking yeah. real. Like, it's very possible. It, you usually don't just pick one person. That's very true. You're usually just, like, abusive as a whole. Yeah. It's your, it's your defining characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing you take with you into yes. his life. Yes. Kathy said, quote, he started yelling at us and I got scared. All hell broke loose. <sighs> this is the corner where he was hitting her. The fight was back here. I Wait, can hear he was hitting her? Hitting Mary, yeah. Because oh he blamed God. her for the dog. She said, I can hear her yelling. There's nothing we can do. Last time I saw her, she had the blood coming out of her mouth. <gasps> End quote. That was the last time Kathy saw Mary. The next day, William ordered the kids to stay away from one particular area of the backyard. Oh my god. When investigators heard this, they immediately brought in a team of cadaver dogs to search the backyard. All four dogs got a hit in the same spot, exactly where William told the children not to play. And the police believe their missing persons case was now a homicide investigation. Mm -hmm. 
So they brought in a team to dig and in the area. 20 fucking years later? 21 years Yeah, 21 years later. later. Wow. So they brought in a team to dig in the area the cadaver dogs had identified. Steve Sircone said, quote, As we dug, I saw a little girl's shoe. No, my God. My heart started pounding even more, and I thought, here we are. We found her. End quote. But there was no body. Get the fuck out! Police were shocked and didn't believe that there wasn't a body where the dogs had indicated. So they dug even deeper. But still, nothing. But the shoe was found. The dog's handlers were sure a body had been there. They said, quote, our dogs don't lie. Fuck yeah. I and was going to say, is, is it possible that they moved her? And believed the body had been moved. Hey! I watched ID. I know. bitches. <laughs> on my first rodeo. <laughs> At this point, both Charlotte and William were suspects in the possible homicide of Mary Day. And the police knew they needed to track them down to question them regarding their daughter's disappearance. They found William and Charlotte living in Kansas, and local detectives interviewed them in April of 2003. Sir Cohn said, quote, I remember watching the interview and realizing that she had something to tell us. Her body language, and then her sinking down in the chair and saying words to the effect of, you know, sometimes you do things in the past and it comes back. Stop. I knew that it was something there, end quote. When asked if they tried to find Mary, Charlotte said they should have, but she also insisted Mary running away was no big deal. She did it all the time. Fuck you. Right? Fuck you. Like, red fucking flag. Your daughter literally can't stand to be in your house to the point that she's 13 and running the fuck away from you. And not only that, Charlotte's watching, if she's not partaking in, she's watching her husband beat the fuck out of her kid. A hundred fucking percent. So you're not like, well, you know, kids are going to run away. No. Yeah. When they're being abused. Yes. Do you know how much it is to run away? Like, what it takes to run away? The balls. Like, you don't have money at that age. You don't have fucking, you don't like, have anything. You don't have contacts. You don't have, like, people you can run to usually. Unless you don't have a, a cell phone. Yeah. You no. Don't. In the 80s, 80s, you don't have no. anything. So to run away and be like, uh, I'll take my chances. I'll take my chance. I'll, this is such a bad situation. I don't have any fucking money. I don't have food. Like, what? You put in, like, a couple fucking Twinkies in your pocket. Yeah. You take some clothes with you, and then you're like, well, for the best. Because even if you, like, run away to, like, a grandparent's house, they're going to call up your parents and be like, they ran away. So the situation where you are, not only do you run away, you run away regularly. That's not a happy home life. They're not doing potato sack races in the fucking backyard. No. You're not getting fucking bedtime stories and fucking tucked in at night. Absolutely not. No. And the police just keep bringing her back because fuck. Because the law and they're underage and blah, whatever. Yeah. But fuck these people. Yeah. Continue. Charlotte claimed that William told her they filed a police report with the Salinas Police Department, but also said, quote, if we did, I don't remember. Go fuck yourself. End Are quote. you kidding me? There's no record of this report because obviously they fucking it didn't report didn't it. It didn't happen. No. And here's the thing. In the fantasy world that we're, we're going to entertain for a moment of she did run away and they filed a police report. You check on that shit every day. That's not like... You're waiting for your daughter to come. You're not just like cashing her checks and fucking being like, don't talk about her kids. Yeah. This yeah. isn't a set it and forget it. This isn't like... No. I mean, I, I think I mailed that cancellation for my time warning. Yeah, no. No. It's your fucking daughter's missing persons report. You like, get, you know whether you file it or not. You know when you file it, you get on fucking TV. You get on Larry King, RIP. You get on the <laughs> local shit. You get on the fuck. You hit up the press. You do everything you can to find your fucking kids. So I mean, like, you know, did we file a missing persons report? Yeah, right? Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. You're not even being convincing. If exactly. you're going to lie, lie better. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Words to live by. Right. <laughs> I'm not 
teaching you how to commit a crime. I mean, <laughs> but aren't we like a little bit? Do with this information what you will. You can't come for us if um, yeah, no, you get we're not pushed. responsible. Like no. we're not culpable in any way, shape, or form. No. In her interview, Charlotte said, "Quote: Life is full of regrets, but whether this is a regret for not trying to find her daughter or regret for something else, we don't know." What? Yeah. A regret is like not kissing that cute guy in Cancun. What the fuck are you talking about? Yes. Oh, yeah. And to be so cavalier of like, well, you know. Not a big deal. Like, yeah, she ran away all the time. I could have. I guess looking back, I I probably should have done that. Probably. Yeah. Bitch, again, you are not selling this that you didn't murder your daughter and bury her and then dig her up and bury her somewhere else. Yes. I need the commitment. I really need you. Sell it. To sell it. Better. Yeah. Like, go and take a class at fucking Second City or some <laughs> shit. Do some improv 101. Correct. This is... You're, you have your lines down. Get I need it you to down. hit your marks. Like, come on. This is fucking bullshit. Detective Joe Bertania later questioned Mary's stepfather, William, about the night of her disappearance. He told the detective that he went room to room checking on the kids and discovered Mary wasn't in the bedroom. He said he told Charlotte and she panicked, so he panicked and called the police. Detective Britannia didn't believe that for a second, because obviously, and said, quote, William, she runs away all the time. Why did you panic? End quote. William couldn't give him a good response. Britannia asked about what happened with the dog. Yeah, because her fucking head ran away from her body on the fucking floor. That's what the fuck happened. Girl. Girl. William still claimed Mary poisoned his dog and said, quote, I was really angry. She tried to run out of the house. I didn't want her to go. So I caught her before she got out of the front door. She was kicking me, punching me. So I pushed her. While telling the story, William makes this choking gesture that Detective Bertania recognized as a martial arts technique. He asked if William had hit her with that. William admitted that he did and said he hit her in the chest. When the detective asked if it was possible it slipped and hit her in the throat, William admitted it might have slipped. When asked on a scale from 1 to 10 how bad his anger was when he hit her, he said, I was a 15. Which, I'm sorry, that's like homicidal range, in my opinion. Absolutely. And I'm going to guess that William was probably a much bigger dude than Mary was. Even though you don't know that, I'm going to tell you that that's very likely the case. I didn't get his full details, but I have seen a picture of them together when she's a kid. He doesn't actually seem like that particularly big of a guy. Like, he's not super tall or, like, Mm -hmm. really ripped or jacked or anything. But, I mean, versus a fucking 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Yeah. You're a grown adult man well, who's in the army, who's had, I'm assuming, defensive training. and some sort of training. Yeah. You've well, been in fucking boot camp. Well, it's that thing of those people don't fight people their own size. No. They always pick on, on someone smaller yeah. so that they can feel like a fucking big man. Yes. Exactly. Ugh. Detective Britannia asked if it was possible he killed her since he was so enraged, but Williams said, quote, no, I didn't kill her. But the next day, my wife Charlotte told me that that night she saw Satan in my eyes and she said I was possessed by a demon. End quote. Britannia responded saying, Okay, William, I believe you. You didn't kill her. But what about that demon inside you? Mm. Could that demon have killed Mary? And he looked at Detective Britannia <gasps> and said, Yes, the demon could have killed her. Full chills. Yes? Yes. Fuck yes. When William walked away from the interrogation, Detective Britannia admitted that he thought they were letting a killer go. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a body and he didn't technically confess to the murder. While detectives continued to build a case, things took an unexpected turn. In November of 2003, in a routine traffic stop in Phoenix, Arizona, for a vehicle with stolen plates, police ran the IDs of the passengers and were astonished when they got a hit and realized they had found the missing and presumed dead, Mary Day. What the fuck? Now 35 years old. (gasps) Detective Britannia was stunned. 
He had been convinced that Mary had been murdered by her stepfather over 20 years ago. He went to meet her in person, and after comparing her to her photo, he agreed that the resemblance was striking, and this could very well be the real Mary Day. His boss, Stephen Sircone, couldn't believe it. He had been convinced the stepfather, William, had almost confessed and found the timing of her reappearance to be suspicious. Mm. It was only seven months earlier that the Holes had been interviewed, and now, out of the blue, Mary Day appears 700 miles away with a valid Arizona state ID, an ID that had been issued only three weeks earlier, mm. while the homicide investigation was already underway. Mm. When Detective Britannia questioned Mary, she told him she had run away from her mother and stepfather when she was a teenager and had managed to fly under the radar since. But she seemed hesitant, and Britannia thought her story seemed sketchy. When asked about the night she disappeared, Mary said, quote, I'm so confused anymore. I don't know what's real or not. I remember he kept slamming my head into the tub, and it hurt. She began crying. I started bleeding, and he hit my head on the coffee table. I think I blacked out. Maybe that's why I can't put all the pieces together. End quote. She didn't remember anything about the sick dog. Investigators said it was hard to pin down much of anything about her life for the past 20 years, and they began to wonder if the woman with the freshly minted ID was really who she claimed to be. Yeah. According to Sircone, they weren't even calling her Mary Louise Day, and instead referred to her as Phoenix Mary. Mm. Which, honestly, so fitting. Like, I know they found her in Phoenix, Arizona, no, but fuck. she came back from the dead! Fuck yeah. Like, Phoenix rising. Not just from the dead, from the fucking ashes. Yes! I love it. Phoenix Mary. Kind of super obsessed. Good. Yeah. Me too. On a phone call with police, where she sounded increasingly frustrated, Mary asked Detective Britannia, quote, If you were to find my body, how were you going to be able to prove who the hell I was? End quote. Britannia told her they would use DNA, to which she replied, Oh, so since I'm still alive, you all can't prove who I am. The detective said, quote, There's no record of you being anywhere. It's like you haven't existed up until now. Mm-hmm. Finding her question suspicious, Sircone decided they should get a DNA test on Phoenix Mary. He yeah. believed, yes, he believed there was no way the DNA would match, that they were going to prove she wasn't actually Mary Day and they had been dealing with an imposter all along. But the DNA did match. Holy shit! Phoenix Mary was, in fact, Charlotte's daughter. <gasps> While shocked by the results, the police couldn't argue with the evidence and the case was officially closed. Afterwards, Sherry invited Mary to move in with her. While it seemed as though the mystery had been solved and Sherry and Kathy had been reunited with their long-lost sister, this was not the end of the story. Oh my god. Because once Phoenix Mary moved in, Sherry started to have her own doubts about the woman's identity. (gasps) First, she found it strange that Mary had an accent. Sherry described it as a weird Midwest or Southern accent. Detectives had noticed it too, but when they questioned her about it, she said... Y'all still trying to prove who I am, huh? But didn't give a clear answer on how or where she had acquired such an accent. Phoenix Mary also said she never used her real name and instead had been going by the name Monica DeVroe, which she had made up. Sherry noticed Mary received magazines addressed to her fake name. Kathy, Mary's other sister, was unnerved and also had her doubts. She claimed something was off and that she felt in her gut this wasn't Mary. She said Mary didn't remember that their birth father had left them an inheritance that they could collect at age 18. It was their shared escape plan, and they had a code word for it, Mohawk. But this word meant nothing to Phoenix Mary. Then Mary did something else strange. She wrote an email to Detective Britannia claiming that she was lying to them about who she was. What the fuck? Despite this new information, the case remained closed. Girl. There's so many things. I know. Which is obviously why you're telling me the story and why it's crazy. Because if there was no DNA, you're like, this is a fake. 
Yes, but the fucking DNA is there. Head injuries are a hell of a drug. Head injuries are fucking crazy. Trauma is a hell of a drug where you just like block shit out and she did not have a sunshine and roses upbringing. Yes, a hundred fucking percent. But the cadaver dogs recognized a body. A body, like smelled a body in the soil in the backyard. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay, we'll okay, get, okay. We'll, we'll dabble. Okay. And I was going to tell you to stop the story. I know. <laughs> get the fuck out of get here. Get the fuck out of your apartment. <laughs> I'm living here now. <laughs> oh, I'd like that. In 2008, Sir Cohn, who was now Seaside's police chief, received a call from investigators at the army base at Fort Ord. Another set of cadaver dogs working on an unrelated matter had found something. The dogs went over hundreds of homes and got a hit on one. The investigator said, quote, you'll never believe who was living in this house. William Hole and his family lived in this house, end quote. The house the cadaver dogs identified. I'm was... sorry, is this, is this another house? Yes. <gasps> so on they a... find a dead, they get a hit on a dead body in another house that he also fucking lived that in. That he also lived in, that they didn't know he lived in this house. They were just doing an independent. Yeah, just P.S.? Like, Hey, we got a hit. The only house we got a hit on happened to be owned by the man you were kind of investigating for murder. And there was also a hit at his other house. And there's a hit at this fucking house. Yes. The house the cadaver dogs identified was the one that the holes had moved to shortly after Mary disappeared. Because of this, Sir Cohn believed that a body had been moved by this family from one location to another. Once again, they dug in the area the dogs had indicated. But once again, there was nothing to be found. What the fuck? Although the case had been closed, Sir Cohn felt something was seriously wrong and felt they needed to continue to investigate. Yeah. So he hired Mark Clark, a retired homicide detective from nearby Salinas, California, to look into the case. Mark Clark described it as, quote, absolutely the most bizarre case I've ever come up against. After reviewing the evidence collected over the years, Clark was convinced there was a murder and missed opportunities. He believes they let the parents off the hook too soon. He said it was incredibly suspicious that her parents told her siblings she ran away, don't ever talk about her again, then tore up her pictures and threw away her clothes. The most damning thing Clark said are William Hull's own words. He said, quote, I couldn't have killed Mary. My body would have done it, but it wouldn't have been me. It would have been that demonic personality because I blacked out. Oh, fuck End you. quote. Yeah. Okay, Ted Bundy. Yeah, right? Relax. Okay. Entity. Settle oh. down. You're a sack of shit. Just own that you're a sack of shit. Right? Or go to therapy and don't, and be, a sack of don't shit. be a sack of shit. Thank you. Words to live by by Monique Sanchez. You're welcome. <laughs> Clark says that William basically admitted to a homicide and was shocked that he hadn't been arrested and they just let him go. Clark asked Kathy about the canvas shoe they found buried in the backyard and whether they were a type that was born by her and her sisters. She said that they were the exact type. Clark also consulted with the Body Farm, a renowned research facility that studies what happens when bodies decompose. Yeah, he that's says, research, right? Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. He says they found soil samples consistent with a body being buried. Mark Clark believes that Mary was killed in July 1981 and that the woman claiming to be Mary Day is actually an imposter. Yeah. He said, quote, there are just too many things that point to Phoenix Mary Day being somebody else, end quote. If Phoenix Mary is indeed an imposter, then how come her DNA proved that she was indeed Charlotte's daughter? Clark has a theory. He says Charlotte Hole had another daughter. I was just going to say that. A secret daughter. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> Born before Mary and given up at birth. 
he believes Phoenix Mary is that secret daughter, the older sister of the real Mary Day. Clark thinks that Holes could have reached out to Charlotte's secret daughter when they felt they were in trouble, seeking her out to pose as Mary Day to avoid prosecution. If they still had Mary's birth certificate and social security card, they could have given them to her so that she could obtain a legal government ID. This alleged scheme not only put an end to the homicide investigation, but it also benefited Phoenix Mary, who received her inheritance, which, with interest over the years, I was gonna say, was now worth $60,000. Damn! I was like, yeah, that's a decent fucking haul. This would provide a motive for her to impersonate Mary Day. 48 Hours reached out to Charlotte and William for comment regarding the secret daughter theory, but were told via a relative that they had no comment. Which, if it's not true, and Phoenix Mary is your real daughter, why wouldn't you just say that? Yeah. It's like the easiest to be like, yeah, it's her. Like, they found her. Cool. We didn't murder her. Yay. Well, that's like... But like, no comment? That's sketchy. That's fucking sketchy as fuck. I mean, that's like Murder on Middle Beach, which if you haven't watched... Oh, oh my god. Madison. Madison. I know. <laughs> Oof. Madison. I mean, <laughs> we can say it in any tone you want, and it's always going to be gross, but it's we're here for it. I know. It's on HBO. It's incredible, and it's about this kid. This kid. He's in his 20s. He's, yes. He was a kid when it happened. He was a kid yeah. when it happened. So his mother was murdered, and it's an open case, and the prime suspect is the... Her ex-husband, because of course, of course it is. That's how it always is. Always the prime suspect. Because we've watched murder shows. Like, you fucking know what goes down. Yes. It's always, it's always someone you know. Like, I think it's like 80% or something like that of murders happen from someone that they know. So he like interviews his dad about this, even on the low for the documentary. And the dad gives the sketchiest as fuck answers ever that it's like, if you didn't do it, just say you didn't. Yes. What is the fucking issue? You're like, I, I didn't even know your mother. And you're like, you were married to her. years. You didn't know her at all as a person? Like, what? Madison would ask questions like, what are your memories of my mother? He's like, I didn't know her. You had what? two yes. kids with her and were married to her for 13 years. Yes. Lie better. Yes. I was like, <laughs> if you're going to lie, just be convincing about it. Like, get a story and lie better. Yeah. Like, I love taking you to the park with your mom as a kid. It was great. She was very involved. Played with each other. Bam. There like, you go. So the no, like, the no comment thing is infuriating. It just doesn't make sense to me either. I, I can't think of anything more incriminating than a no comment. Thank you. Yes. It's like saying, hi, yes, I did it. And I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. By the way. But I just want you to know that I know that you know that <laughs> I did it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mark Clark says the imposter theory accounts for a lot of inconsistencies. For example, Mary's odd Southern accent. Her accent was thick, and both Sherry and Kathy said that Mary never had an accent. While she spent some time in the South, both as an adult and briefly as a child, four Southern dialect experts determined that she would have had to have been raised in the South mm-hmm. until at least age 9 or 10 to develop that accent. Yep. Don't for- let fucking Madonna fool you. Yeah, no, you can't just, like, stay in fucking England for a month. Or Calaria yeah, fucking no, Baldwin fool you. No. You don't spend a fucking summer there and come back with an accent. No, girl. Regarding the imposter theory, Judy Veloz, acting chief of the Seaside Police Department, said, quote, We have to be very careful, all of us in law enforcement, not to make our story fit our ideas of what we believe happened. Sure. End quote. Yes, that's responsible. Veloz was determined to solve the case once and for all and prove Phoenix Mary was, in fact, Mary Day. Additional DNA tests showed that Mary's DNA matched not only Charlotte, but also her birth father. But if, still, the, secret, but if, if the secret sister was Charles's daughter, then that would still be the case, right? Sure, yeah. She looked into the shoe that was found, but noted that it was very small and claims it fit in the palm of her hand. She didn't believe Mary was small or short enough at the time to wear a shoe so small. Mm. Then why was it buried in the backyard? 
little yeah. sketchy. Yeah. The lowest... With, like, fucking remains, obviously. Yes. Like, cadaver dogs identified it. The Los eventually traveled to meet with Mary and speak with her regarding her missing years. Mary said she began calling herself Monica when she ran away because she didn't want police to take her back home. She also mentioned a new name, Maury, a woman she knew in those early days on her own in California. The Los looked into the new lead and managed to track down Maury Kimmel. Maury said she found Mary when she was 15. She described her as very naive and with an innocence about her, almost childlike. Hmm. At the time, Maury had two young daughters of her own, the girls had loved Monica slash Mary, and Maury said, quote, she just won my heart. Oh. Maury says she wanted to nurture the girl, but after about a year, one day, Mary was just gone. Maury said she was heartbroken that Mary had left. Oh. Through her investigation, Velos was also able to shed light on why Mary suddenly got her Arizona ID. Apparently, Mary needed state aid to pay for surgery. She had had her gallbladder taken out, which led her to obtain proper government ID in the name of Mary Louise Day. It was a local nonprofit that helps Mary track down her real birth certificate. Velos chalks up Mary's foggy memory to trauma and a lifelong battle with alcohol, saying, quote, Those gaps in memory can be legitimate, especially if someone's been an alcoholic from the time they've been a teenager, end mm-hmm. quote. Mm-hmm. As for that email that Mary sent to Detective Bertania, saying she had been lying about who she was, Velos said Mary sent a follow-up email writing, quote, I'm not sure myself what I was trying to say in that email, end quote. Velos questioned how reliable those emails were since Mary was still a severe alcoholic at the time. Uh. Then the photo was found. Stop it. Turns out one of Maury's relatives had a photograph of Mary <gasps> taken at least a year after the alleged murder. Uh-huh. 48 Hours took the photo to Trueface, a state-of-the-art facial recognition company, to see if they could verify that Mary is the girl in the photo. Sean Moore, the CEO, said that according to their software, there is a 99% possibility that the girl in the photo is Mary Louise Day. Holy shit. With that photo as evidence, Judy Velos submitted her report and officially closed the Mary Day investigation. In 2017, Sherry wanted answers about the woman claiming to be her sister and went to visit her. She was hoping that Mary would confess to her while she was there. Mary was living in Missouri and suffering from late-stage cancer at the time of the visit. After her visit with Mary, Sherry is finally at peace. She said, it's done. It's her. CBS correspondent, Maureen Mare, who interviewed Mary, said the woman she met was fragile, but not feeble, and it was clear from seeing her in person that this was a woman who had not had an easy life. Mary told Mare that it's frustrating to try to prove who you are when there is no proof. Hmm. While Velos is convinced the Mary Day case had been put to rest, Mark Clark still believes she's an imposter. Hmm. Even though he can't prove his theory, he believes that William killed Mary in 1981. Sircone, after seeing the pictures, believes Phoenix Mary could be Mary Louise Day. However, he still can't shake the feeling that those cadaver dogs were onto something. I mean, what the fuck are the odds? Yes. And especially since cadaver dogs are trained to specifically hit on human remains, not just remains, not just a dead dog, not just a raccoon. Yes, animal remains. Yes. Yeah. Mary succumbed to cancer in 2017, nine days after Velos interviewed her. There was no funeral. Mm. So that is the mystery of Mary Day. The case is technically closed. I still think it's kind of sketchy. Yeah. It's one of those where I want to believe the photo, but when you see the photo, it's a fucking old shitty picture from the 80s. Like, it's not, I mean, I want to believe the facial recognition software. I do. Sure. Obviously, it's saying 99% accuracy. But, like... (sighs) Yes. So, I was thinking, this was actually... This would probably be a good thing to ask our new best friend, Grace. 
Hey girl. Regarding cadaver dogs. Because I did a little bit of research because obviously I was very interested and I stumbled across this website called murderscience.com, which are you speaking to my soul? Hello. (laughs) And they had a really interesting article about the efficacy of cadaver dogs. Yes. Because they're not meant to be the end all be all, but a supportive of the evidence. A hundred fucking percent. Is that what your two pages are and I just blew up your spot? I mean, no, you didn't blow my spot. I mean, yes, basically. The bottom line is the website says dogs, of course, are vulnerable to human manipulation, whether the human intends it or not. They're at risk of responding to their handlers or another human's subtle cues about the potential scent location instead of indicating due to the presence of a scent. For these reasons, cadaver dogs should help guide a homicide investigation, but they shouldn't be the sole reason for conviction. For sure, but... Coming across the second house, house randomly, and it just so fucking happens. Thank you. And I'm not someone who believes in coincidence. At yes. All. At all. No. It was so fucking sketchy. That was the thing that I was like, dude, two houses? That's the thing I, I can't abide. The dude does not abide. It wormed its way into my fucking brain, and I was just like, ah, I did. It's one of the things, like, I don't want to believe she's an imposter. I want to believe that this woman is really telling the truth, but... It's like kind of sketch and the, I don't know, the stepdad kind of makes it seem like he's convinced he could have killed her in a blackout rage. I mean, yeah. The only thing I could think, which again, cadaver dogs would know the difference between this. The only reason I could think is they, why they told the kids not to go to that area in the backyard is maybe the dog, no one said this in the article, maybe the dog actually did die and that's where they buried the dog in the yard. But they didn't find a dog. Didn't find a dog. They found, and they found a little girl's fucking shoe. A little girl's fucking shoe. And the cadaver dogs won't hit on the dog. They won't. So sometimes, I will say this, if they can't find, because obviously human remains are not super easy to come by to sure. train cadaver dogs. So a lot of times cadaver dogs are trained to find pigs. Yes. Because Which apparently that is very similar. Yes. In reading this article, apparently chicken, decaying chicken meat, is more chemically similar to decaying human meat than pigs are. But typically, yes, pig is what most people believe mm-hmm. is the... I know, your face says it all right now. Monique is like the ew, gross, yeah. why are you doing this to me face. Yeah, there's a lot of Which is fair. Which happening. is totally fair. <laughs> so I think we need to bring Grace in on this. Yeah. Because I would love a professional's opinion. Grace. Yeah, hey girl. Also, we're obsessed with you, in case that was Yes, I mean, we've been talking about it privately for a while, but we'll say it now, out in the open, we're obsessed with you. We're obsessed with you. Various studies for the efficacy of cadaver dogs, the lowest study they've ever done is 30%. More reputable studies done in like 2008, the lowest accuracy rating was 92%. Dude. uh... Just like pretty fucking high. So the average, that was the lowest one of the studies they had done. Apparently, according to multiple articles I read, which I'm not citing here, 95% accuracy, pretty much baseline. They can apparently detect bodies up to 15 feet under the ground. And miles and miles away. Yes. They can identify remains that are above ground, buried, submerged in water. They can also further exceed human skill by identifying not only bodies and body parts, but also blood, body fluids, and physical objects that have been in contact with a corpse. So I am pretty sure I've made it clear that I'm really scared of dogs, and I'm just convinced that they're going to kill me and eat my face. <laughs> no. Oh my god, no. That's all I'm I'm going to get you over this at some point. Dogs no, and every person is like, and every person's like, but my dog is different. And then every dog is like, I'm different, and I love you. And then they jump on me and bark, and I'm like, this is the problem spot this is the problem yeah 
But that being said, that's amazing and rad as fuck. Yeah. That they can do all that. Fuck yes. Well, I heard that there's a company that when they when they retire cadaver dogs that you can adopt them. <gasps> I would love that. Except yeah. for if you took them on a run and then they were like trying to go in the fucking park, Central Park or something. I'd be like, no, 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 no. We are not coming across a body on a jog today. <laughs> no, not about it. I just want Starbucks. I don't want a corpse. Yes. Thank you. Um, so I grew up with German Shepherds and they, we did not train them for this, but my dad actually did start to have my German Shepherd, like, police trained. Shit. So they were starting to teach her how to sniff out drugs and stuff. And she, like, learned how to do the fucking bite and take people down. Oh, Kona. Such a badass. That's really cool. Yeah. It was very cool. Um, that story's nuts. Crazy, right? I still kind of don't know how I feel about it. Like, I do want to believe Mary. Like, her DNA checks out. But, like, there's so many boxes that are ticked off that remind me of the film The Impossible. <gasps> yes. There's so many things that are so similar. That family wanted to they believe wanted so it. badly, though. This family was like, I don't know if this bitch is the bitch I think it is. No. Yeah, and she didn't She didn't run away young enough to have, like, a complete, like, personality change. Like, And I can understand being, like, you know, life-hardening you. Yeah. But to just not remember really important shit like you got money coming to you i feel like i would not forget that no, i mean no. i don't i've not made head slammed against anything obviously but same i'm just intrigued at the very least it's interesting ultimately my my thing where i fall in that it's not her is the two houses dude that's, that's the it. fucking sketchiest thing to me everything like, else i can be like yes she suffered brain damage yes she had a fucking tough go of it. Holy fuck. If it was only the first Alcoholism, house. Yes. Fine. Both fucking house. If it was only the first house, okay, I would have said, like, I could understand. Because Kathy obviously said, this is where our dad told us not to go. Yeah. So I could understand there was, like, a human bias. They were like, oh, we need to, like, this is where you should be getting a hit. And they maybe influence the dogs. How the fuck do you influence a dog, though? I mean, you can lead them over there and be extra sure. effusive and, like, sure. And encourage them once they get over there, and it, like, will hype them up to make... But they didn't influence the little girl's shoe being found No, and they didn't influence the second fucking... Which was just a random thing. Yes. They fucking searched hundreds of houses. This was the one house they got a fucking hit on, and it happened to be... Just so happened. To be fucking William Hole's house that they moved to right after they fucking moved from the house previously, where Mary had disappeared. It's fucking sketch as fuck. I mean... Case has been closed... Apparently, Mary Day is Mary Day, but... Lots of cases are closed that shouldn't be. That's very true. But that story is crazy, and I can't believe that this dude didn't murder Mary. Right? I just can't. It's fucking, it's fucking my brain a little bit. It Grace, really... you need you need to chime in. Yeah. We're, I have questions. Tell us we're being dumb, or we're not, or... Cadaver dogs are fucking full of shit, and they just don't give a fuck. We need to know everything, because... I have a drama degree. <laughs> <laughs> and um, despite my chemistry degree, I still need to know more information. That story was amazing, and I have never heard of it. Good! I'm so glad. Yeah. I feel like it was it was interesting, but it was like a little tame. Like, it wasn't gruesome. Yeah. It wasn't brutal. So you're telling me you set my pussy up for No, no, God, no, no. I just, no, I just, I just <laughs> I'm justifying it to myself, really. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I didn't want to like lay too much on anybody this week. Yeah. 
like enjoy yourself. Be yeah. kind. Yeah. Yeah. Self-care. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Uh, my original story was going to be about necrophilia, and Johnny was like, really? Oh. And I was like, okay, I'll pick something else. That's so fine. There you go. You don't know me at all. <laughs> my favorite thing is telling him things and then just watching his face be like, why? That are like, why? Yes, who are you as a person? Like, I date you. Like, <laughs> we sleep in the same bed. Like, what? is going on in your head. Sleep with one eye open, bitch. Right? For real. <laughs> no joke. I mean, obviously I can't do anything now because there's too much evidence against me. Right, of course. Him. I mean, yeah. you can cut it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to get better at lying, as Monique said. Absolutely. So guys, we have some exciting news. We're going to be holding a contest. And there's two components to the contest. One, we're going to put a post about the contest and you have to tag a friend in it. And two, uh, you have to rate and review us on Instagram. On iTunes? Yep. Thank you. On iTunes. On iTunes, yes. you have to rate and review us. And you can't just write, they're great. You have to write a, a substantial yeah. piece of literature. We're picking them, so like, sell it to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you win, you get a free palm reading session with this incredible palm reader. Ooh. She's amazing. I've gone to her. I've sent multiple people to you her. You raved about her to she me. She is out of control incredible. I'm jealous. I want to win the contest. Yeah, guys. Like, you're not even... You don't even know. She's incredible. You're not ready for this. You're not ready for this. You're yeah. not ready for this jelly. <laughs> and you're going to get your own custom-made fun tote made by our very own Amy Traden because she has hey, so many skills. I have a, a lot of skills. I'm very crafty. She's in very more, crafty. In more way than one. So she also edits the podcast. I do. I can't do that. And I'm going to make the tote bag with love. So yeah, from me to you. So the contest is going to go from February 1st to the 28th. Yes. And then March 1st, we're going to pick the winners. Yes. And we are very, very excited. Yay. It's like the month of love and you can give your love to us. Exactly. We appreciate that. Exactly. So get the submissions in. We can't wait to read what you write. And then we can't wait to give you this palm reading session and then hear all about it. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. Yes. Oh, so great. Fuck yes. Thank you so much for being the best fucking listeners in the world. We're completely obsessed with you. If you don't know, uh, follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. And as always, please send us your stories. Yes. Yes, we want all of your stories. Amy still needs the alien story. Someone come I'm through. Jonesing, come on! I, I know you're out there. You're, the, the truth, truth is, is out there. there. Ah! Okay, James, I love it. <laughs> and uh, so on Instagram, we've actually made it super easy. Where there's a button that you click, and it'll automatically create an email for you, so that you can submit your email. If you don't want to do that, you can email us at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you in fucking. You can find me at pinupgirlmo on Instagram. You can find me at lobotomy, and that's lobot period Amy. And fuck kids. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.